All right. The uh, September 23rd, 2008 meeting of the San Francisco Taxi Cab Commission will come to order. Could I please have some order in the room? Thank you. The first item of business for the September 23rd, 2008, 6.30 p.m. Taxi Cab Commission meeting is a special announcement about cellular telephones. Here it is. The ringing of and use of cell phones, pagers, and similar sound-producing devices are prohibited at this meeting. Please be advised that the chair may order the removal from the meeting room of any persons responsible for the ringing or use of a cell phone, pager, or other similar sound-producing electronic device. And if you do have a cellular telephone in your possession, placing it on the vibrate function, unfortunately, will not be sufficient, as the interference does create problems with our audio-visual equipment. For that reason, we ask that you please turn the machine off entirely. Thank you very much, and I'm currently availing myself of my own advice. We will now go to the first item, which is a call to order and roll call. President Paul Gillespie. Here. Vice President Patricia Breslin is expected. She will be here shortly. Commissioner Benjamin. Here. Commissioner Onetto. Here. Commissioner Pack. Present. Commissioner Suval. Here. We have a quorum. <coughs> the next item is item two, um, staff report and commissioner announcements. Um, before we do that, though, um, we might want to go to, because we have uh, an attorney here who's requested to be heard um, more quickly, uh, we might want to just go directly into those cases and save the staff report for later. I have no problem with that. All right. So I will call the first case that this particular attorney is responsible for, and that is item seven, consideration of hearing officers' recommendations in taxi commission versus Azam Inazar, consideration of hearing officers' decision to revoke P16 permit number 431 for violation of the Proposition K full-time driving requirement, municipal police code section 1081B for 2001, 2005, and 2006, and violation of Municipal Police Code Section 1138, accurate and legible waybills. And um, I would just point out that um, I did provide a short memorandum on items 7, 8, 9, and 10 uh, due to the, uh, shall I say, voluminous nature, um, over 300 pages of the cases in, in total that were on for tonight's hearing. Um, the Commission attached the hearing officer's decision only to the complaint for these items. And copies of the case were made available at the Commission office. Additionally, a copy has been produced here for the bench for anyone to come up and view. There's also a copy up here on the dais for commissioners to review while the case is pending. Um, the truly germane aspect of these agenda items, of course, is the hearing officer's decision, which constitutes a recommendation to the Commission. The Commission may adopt, modify, or deny said decision. And I will note that we did speak to uh, the Sunshine uh, Task Force regarding this method of noticing these decisions, and this was the method that was approved by them, uh, lest anyone fear that uh, it was somehow conducted uh, improperly or otherwise. So um, with that, um, I will remove um, myself to the bottom and just simply announce the decision. I'm not an advocate in this regard. I'm just simply presenting the case in a regular uh, format. Sorry, Jeff, uh, you don't, don't get a chance to be my advocate here. It's not the, not the hearings, you know. Um, so I'll be right back. I'm just going to go down.
Okay, good evening. Um, so we have here, um, first of all, I'd also like to note that um, uh, this driver at the time, um, this case was brought, first of all, um, this case was actually initiated by um, another individual in our office that used to work there. Um, so this case is actually very, it, it was brought a long time ago, um, a couple years back. It was first started, it was first initiated. So that explains kind of uh, the length of some of these violations. Um, I have to say that there's been no uh, further investigation of the situation, um, this person since then, so I can't speak to continuing violations. Um, I would also note that this person doesn't work at Yellow Cab anymore, um, just as an, uh, for information. Um, so, uh, let's see here. Okay, so um, this case was heard by uh, Henry Epstein on April 20th, 2007. Um, this case, uh, in this case, essentially, um, Mr. Epstein found um, that there were um, several problems with fraudulent waybills. Um, he found that there was a failure to satisfy the full-time driver requirement for the calendar year 2006, also for the calendar year 2005 and that he had admitted to not satisfying it in the year 2001. Um, as you know, uh, there is an extremely strong um, presumption for revocation when a person has failed to meet the driving requirement this many times. And for those reasons, uh, Mr. Epstein found that uh, there was reason to recommend revocation of this medallion. And in fact, um, that is exactly what he recommended. So with that, I will turn it over to um, his attorney, uh, Mr. Rotwine. Thank you very much. Good evening, Commissioners. Uh, I'm, my name is Jeffrey Rowan. I'm appearing for Mr. Anazar. Um, and I understand from uh, Ms. Thigpen that she is not acting as an advocate here, so that the motion that I, that I advanced uh, to have her disqualified, and again, with all due respect, I understand she's acceding to. So, um, and my next question is, have, have the board, have the Commission members reviewed the brief that I filed in opposition to the, uh, to the decision by Mr. Epstein? I submitted that in May. That, has that been uh, circulated? That was with all of the materials that were submitted, all of the copies. The Commission's underlying complaint was submitted, as well as his briefs in response. He had a motion to disqualify me from uh, prosecuting the case before you. Um, which you know the procedure that's been adopted here as far as my role in coming to you with these cases. And he also submitted his, well, also I submitted to you his brief um, in the underlying case. He, he hasn't submitted any new briefs. Okay. Uh, thank you. That, that's what I was confused about, whether there were new items at the time, and this has been many months now. Yes. Um, I personally reviewed all the items at the time. Were there any new points that I should be familiar with? No, no new okay. points. Um, I usually submit many new points. But, you know, the only brief that I filed uh, for Mr. Anazar is the one that was filed actually on May 6 of 2008. It's a, it's a memorandum. And the matter was taken off calendar for May 13 and then recalendered for, for today. But I, so um, I'm interested in 
my guess is that most of us read it at that time and that we haven't read it in preparation for tonight. So if you want to make any points related to that memo, you should probably use part of your time to, to do that. All right. Let me, let me elaborate because I, I think it's important that, um, that the commission members review the – and I'm certain you, you understand the, the importance and, and you certainly fulfill that. But the, the real problem with the decision here is that the, in very fundamental, basic, rather critical ways, the, the rules for these hearings, for uh, hearing officer uh, hearings on these on complaints, uh, were not followed. Um, there are some very serious uh, deviations from the rules, and, and I, would, I would argue trigger due process under the federal constitution and the state constitution. Specifically, um, the hearing occurred on May 20th of 2007, and then after the hearing, about two months later, on June 20th of 2007, uh, Ms. Thigman, who was then the acting – I'm sorry, then uh, deputy executive director, um, submitted a, a rather lengthy um, letter along with GTU, uh, ground transportation uh, records from the airport, uh, rather voluminous to uh, Mr. Epstein uh, for him to consider with respect to the, to the complaint. And so these are post-hearing uh, arguments in the, in the letter from Ms. Thigben as well as evidence, actually, for Mr. Epstein to consider. And he, he did consider them. And Municipal Code, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Municipal Police Code Section 1188E very specifically says it's got to be presented during the hearing, and that, of course, makes sense. A matter of due process, if a person is being charged, whether administratively or in some other context, um, it has to be the, they have to have a right to, to see the evidence when it's presented there in, in the hearing and have a chance to confront and examine it, look at it, counter it, whatever, whatever it may be. So, I think it's really a serious TV. I'm not attributing any bad faith here to Ms. Thigpen, uh, but I think that the, the rules just weren't followed here. And, you know, the, the records, the, the GTU records are voluminous. Ms. Thigpen's arguments, I think, are, are they're extensive and they're well-written. Uh, Mr. Nazar did not have a lawyer at the hearing. And so I think that given that Mr. Epstein relied um, in no insignificant part on uh, Ms. Thigpen's arguments and the, and the evidence, I just, I don't, I don't see how this decision can stand it. I think it needs to be rejected. Secondly, there, there is no evidence that was actually admitted at the hearing. Now, I understand that there are exhibits attached to Mr. Um, Epstein's decision, and I understand that there's a complaint and so on, and, and that he considered items, but nothing was ever admitted. And I've done a number of these hearings where the hearing officer says, okay, I'll admit uh, exhibits one, two, three, mark them, there are objections and so on, but nothing was actually admitted at the hearing. And it may sound you know, procedurally uh, uh, minor, but, I mean, that's rather significant. No evidence was admitted before Mr. Epstein. The third issue is that <clears throat> Mr. Epstein relies on um, a finding that Mr. Anazar committed fraud in his way bills for 2006 and 2007, one ground, and the other is the failure to meet the driving requirement for 2005. And he addresses those grounds uh, in the decision on page two, but that was he was never Mr. Nazar was never cited for fraud. Um, he wasn't charged with fraud, and even Mr. Epstein conceded in section eight, on page nine of his decision that Mr. Nazar was not charged with fraud. So, I mean, here you have a, a, a you know a ground coming up in a decision where my client wasn't given notice under due process. Under the rules, you got to give a person notice in a complaint. You're charged with driving requirement, fraud, this, that, that, you know. So when they go to the hearing with or without a lawyer, 
that person then has notice of what they have to deal with and how to respond to it or address it or admit it or deny it or whatever. But that wasn't done. The hearing officer's decision is untimely. It was 11 months late. That's under 1188F. The next major problem, and again, I looked through this. I couldn't believe the number of mistakes here. Not mistakes, but failures to follow the rules. Another failure here is that the decision is based entirely on hearsay. And 1188 specifically says, quote, the hearing need not be conducted according to formal rules of procedure, but no decision shall be based solely on hearsay evidence. Here you have the whole decision based on hearsay documents that, by the way, were never even admitted, never marked. Okay. And I also argue that the presumptions that the Taxi Commission has adopted are not constitutional. I don't want to go into that. You have the briefing on that. And that the full-time driving requirement. So if there are any questions, I know I've talked a lot and may perhaps do quickly, but if anybody has any questions, I think I'm not even getting to the merits of the case, but you just have a procedural due process failure. Excuse me. Your time's up. I did have a question. For me, the issue here is about the way bills. I mean, it is about the way bills. The due process issues, yes, constitutionality, yes, all of that. But what it all comes down to here are the way bills. And so I wanted to know if you were prepared to talk about the fact that the Daily Ma legislation may have changed the perspective we have on these way bills because this case is pre-Daily Ma. You know, the changes, the amendments. Well, maybe you could be more specific. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm... No, doesn't. Could you? I don't think that would affect it because Daily Ma really associated with 2004 going into 2005. Right, but I see through here that it says like, it talks about completed way bills back seven years. So, you know, I'm not so sure that we should be looking at a seven-year period versus the truncated period, you know, with the new amendment. Vice President Breslin, I think Daily Ma refers to the period of time prior that a driver, to getting the driver, the medallion. So it doesn't really... It's my understanding that Mr. Anazar, when did he first get this medallion? Do you know? Is Mr. Anazar here? Yes, he is. Can you come up for a second? I guess what you're saying. Thank you. He should be here. Sir, if you want to work through your attorney, that's fine. What year did you first receive your medallion? February of 2000. February of 2000. That's what I'm told. So... Doesn't the Daily Ma affect the application? Yeah, the application process. No, I apologize. That doesn't... Your credibility there. Would you repeat your second point to the end? You described something when you were making your comments that struck something, but I don't remember exactly what you said. It was this... Yes, go back to the second to the last comment you made. Okay. And that's actually on page seven of the documents? Oh, the documents are here, so you want me to talk about that? Or that the presumptions are unconstitutional? Or that the driving requirement is unconstitutional? No. Or hearsay? The hearsay argument? No, the hearsay, I understand. There was one other... Which one? I have any number. Take a pick. 
Because we didn't bring a charge of fraud. That's not what the permit was revoked. What the fraud issue? Yeah, that charge wasn't brought, and that wasn't one of the findings. Well, actually it was. He finds it on page two. He's basing his decision on fraud and the full-time driving requirement defect. That's the problem. It does. It says. Toward the bottom, third. Commissioner Gillespie, I think it's the third paragraph from the bottom. Yeah. Wait a minute. No. Huh? Right. Oh, I know. I know he says at the very end that you can bring, that they can, that the Taxing Commission can bring another complaint. The problem here is that he makes a finding in the very beginning of a decision on page two, third paragraph from the bottom. The hearing officer finds evidence of fraud. Yeah. I see that. So, I mean, he's making a finding on something that was never charged against Mr. Inazar. Which is even more troubling to me, that once he took a close look at some of these documents, he had a problem with their authenticity. So my question is, are you challenging the finding of his failure to meet the full-time driving requirement? The problem here is that these defects, these errors to follow the rules, and again, I jump to due process because I think the rules are reflective of due process under the Fifth Amendment, is that it so infects the whole hearing process. I'm here to challenge everything. I don't think my client got a fair hearing. You talk about fraud. It is troubling. But if it's troubling, if it was troubling to the Taxing Commission, then my client should have been formally charged. You committed fraud in these ways, in these respects, so that he then could have gone to the hearing prepared to address those complaints, those charges. I mean, if there's fraud, then fine, charge him with it. But you can't do it after the hearing. Beyond your structural problem with this whole process, I want to ask you the question of, are you challenging the finding that he failed to drive full-time for the three years that he was charged? Yes. Okay, and what is that based on? What is that challenge based on? Well, there's no evidence of it. No evidence was admitted. Okay, another problem. No evidence was admitted at the hearing. I mean, there was discussion about it, but nothing was ever admitted. I've done a number of hearings before Mr. Epstein and Ms. Rosenberg, and evidence is offered and is marked, Exhibit 1 for the Taxing Commission, Exhibit A for the driver. You know, it's marked, and you deliberate, you know, you battle about it, whether it's admissible or not, and he says, I'm admitting it, or I'm not admitting it. But here he never admitted anything. I don't know, maybe it's an oversight. The problem here is that there's so many fundamental procedural due process failure to follow the rule errors. I don't think any of it. I don't think it's trustworthy and reliable, this decision, with all due respect to Mr. Epstein, because I think he's very careful. Okay. I'm going to go to any other questions before I allow our director to do a rebuttal. Are there any other questions before we go to deliberation? Okay, Director Thigpen, if you want to take a minute or two to actually have up to five minutes, and you will have five minutes also at the end. Mr. Rotwein. I thought she wasn't acting as an advocate. I'm not. I'm just responding. Responding to a couple of some of the questions that you raised. Well, I think that's acting as an advocate, so I would renew my motion to disqualify. She would be acting as an advocate if she was to respond to the questions? Okay. Who is going to present the case for our department in that? Is Sergeant Reynolds prepared to? If you have a factual question about something that happened at the hearing and I was present at the hearing, shouldn't I be able to answer that question? I have no problem with our executive director responding to bring us up to speed on facts that were already presented. She's not presenting the case. She's not arguing the case. 
And I, I really, uh, with all due respect, have to say that she is just briefing us on the responses that she heard. We were not present. If any of you were present, I would ask you to stand up there in her stead. But we were not present. So. Um, well, I'll just, I'm not going to address the constitutional arguments or anything like that, because, yes, that would be an impermissible trespass. But as far as admission of evidence, that's a fact I feel comfortable addressing, because, as you point out, I was present at the hearing. Um, the rules of, of these hearings are not conducted according to formal rules of evidence. It's not a court. It is true, as um, Mr. Rowan points out, he and I have been at hearings many times before different hearing officers, and evidence has been marked Exhibit 1, Exhibit 1A, et cetera, if the parties have not already done so. That is done so when there is a challenge to that evidence. Um, if the commission presents um, briefs, and Mr. Rowan should know this, he's been doing this a lot longer than I have, um, some of, longer than some of you commissioners um, before this body, um, you know, the, the detail back in the day used to just bring cases up with just things attached, and there was no formal rules whatsoever. Um, actually, if I may, may interrupt you, I think what we want to hear is are, are, are the issues, not an explanation. We accept you being there. Okay. But, I mean, I need to – he said that things weren't marked, so that's what I'm saying. That's, I'm trying to clear up a factual question about that. Um, so that's – I mean – if there's any other questions you want me to address specifically factually, again, without arguing the case, then. Well, I think his point is that there is no evidence. Was there evidence presented at the hearing yeah. prior to anything being submitted afterwards, after the hearing? The, the, po the post-hearing brief was at the request of Mr. Epstein, and Mr. Anazar was there. And Mr. Epstein said, Jordana, I need these records. Can you get them? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, then do that and do a post-hearing brief. I would never have just okay. turned in a brief. But there was evidence presented. Oh, yeah, the, the waybills. It's my recollection that the waybills were presented, and, you know, there, there was evidence presented. And, of course, the post-hearing brief would contain evidence as well. That was part of the hearing process. So that was at the request of the hearing officer, so I, I can't see how that's some type of violation. And that post-hearing brief was submitted to Mr. Nazar's attorney, Ms. Rotwine? He didn't have him as the attorney then. But it was submitted to Mr. Nazar, so. I mean, I'm sure it was. I can't say 100% because I wasn't, I'm sure that we would have given him a copy. I mean, we, we always do that. You know, this, we're talking about a year and a half ago, so I'm sure we would have done so, but I can't swear 100% because, you know, it was a long time ago. Okay. Are there any other questions that were raised? Mr. Rotwine, if you'd like to, I'll give you five more minutes to uh, sum up before we go to our deliberation. All right. Um, if Mr. Um, Excuse me? You know, you get the... Okay. Do you have public comment? Okay, right. Okay. It, you get to an end of, a end of a hearing and people say, should we brief it? And there's an agreement. Submit brief. You, you know, whether it's simultaneous or successive or whatever, that's one thing. But here the, the hearing officer asked for for something, I, I think, I, I when I reviewed the record. And uh, what came back was an argument letter and, and along with, with a bunch of evidence, new evidence, two months after the hearing. You, you, can't, you just can't do that. That's, the rules require the evidence being presented during the hearing, period. It, it's just so basic. Mr. Rowan, were you the attorney no, during that hearing? When were you brought on as attorney in this? Uh, I was brought on after the decision uh, in 
April of, uh, oh wait, March of 08. I wasn't. So the whole process was over by the time you were brought on. Okay. Yes. Uh, Mr. Nazar called me after the hearing, after the decision. Your uh, presumption that the evidence was all hearsay right. uh, contradicts the information that we have that we bills were presented to the hearing officer. That's hearsay. Are you s That's hearsay evidence. That's hearsay evidence. Absolutely. It's documentary evidence. It's hearsay. I mean, uh, evidence code section 12, you know, it's, it's hearsay. I don't know what to tell you. Excuse me. Are you saying it's hearsay at this commission or hearsay at the time of the hearing? Because I understand the documents were presented at the time of the hearing. That was evidence at the time of the hearing. Now, here, everything is hearsay because none of us was at the, were at the hearing. Every single item is hearsay. So I really don't want to hear hearsay. Yeah, actually, there's no evidence being presented because we haven't voted to rehear the case. We haven't, we're voting to whether or not to adopt this, the hearing officer's decision. So there hasn't actually been. Too many problems with what happened here. And again, Mr. Nazar did not have a lawyer. If he had a lawyer, he'd say, well, blame the lawyer for it. But, you know, and Ms. Thigman is a lawyer and a very effective lawyer and very competent. But, you know, he comes to the hearing without a lawyer and evidence is submitted after the hearing and documents aren't admitted and it's all hearsay. It is all hearsay when before Mr. Epstein. And your decision is to reject, adopt, or modify or rehear the matter. I say set aside the decision and send it back. It's just not fair. Fair and simple. Any other questions? Anything else you'd like to add? Maybe somebody has some questions. I actually want to take objection to the word hearsay here. We have a hearing officer. The findings come before this commission. It is not hearsay. They're findings that come before this commission. I actually am very sympathetic to a lot of issues with this individual. But I will not stand for arguments that put this commission at fault and say that we're not hearing the correct findings. So I just want to make that clear. Okay. I'm not challenging the commission. I'm saying that the rule, it's your rule, is very clear. 1188 of the Municipal Police Code adopted by the Board of Supervisors. 1188 subparagraphs E and F. Quote, no decision shall be based solely on hearsay evidence, end quote. A document is hearsay. I'm not blaming you. I'm not faulting the commission. I'm just saying as a matter of evidence before the hearing officer. I'd like to just ask Tom his opinion now. Do we have evidence as waybills to be used by a hearing officer to document whether a person is a full-time driver? A document is not automatically hearsay. Is what? Is not automatically hearsay. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is that a waybill can be used by a hearing officer. A waybill is direct evidence. Direct evidence. As are GTU logs and any of the other documents. Hearsay is direct evidence. But it says not hearsay. If you look at Section 1200 of the Evidence Code, it talks about hearsay. Okay. It's not a court statement. It's a document that has evidence on it. Okay. I think we're getting a little off the matter at hand. I think really the strongest point is the failure to follow the rules here. You know, Mr. Epstein relied on evidence submitted after the hearing. You can't do that. And if he didn't mention it or didn't rely on it, it would be a different story. But, you know, I think we're out of time. Thank you very much. Thank you. 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 Thank
He did. Okay. One question. Yes, Commissioner. Was he denied the ability to bring a lawyer to the hearing? Oh, no. Okay. Okay, thank you. Well, let's put it this way. I don't have any evidence he was. He didn't bring a lawyer. And I'm assuming that, you know, he could have hired a lawyer. But that doesn't matter. He didn't have a lawyer. And a lot of people don't have lawyers when they come to these hearings. But now isn't what you're telling me hearsay? Yes, it is. And what you're telling me is hearsay. And now he has a lawyer, a very good lawyer, and you've done a very good job presenting the case. Okay. Thank you. Touche. Okay, Commissioners, what we have before us is a decision from. And we're going to take public comment. That's right. Public comment, though, is not evidence for the purposes of these deliberations. I'm going to take public comment now for one minute. Is there anyone who would like to speak on this item? Just come up and speak in order. My name is Bill Manzi, taxi driver in San Francisco. It seems to me that he's tying you in knots. You can't make a decision. And, you know, it's all lawyer talk. The decision is what you have before you, and you have to make a decision on that. And otherwise, you'll never, ever be able to make a decision on any irregularities that the drivers are making. Because bring a lawyer. He didn't bring a lawyer, and that's his decision. That's fine. But now he has a lawyer. He's trying to get off. So that's my opinion. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Chairman, Commissioner, I read part of the transcripts here. I don't say transcripts. I guess the documents. And I would say this. Based on this man's history, he doesn't believe in any law in the United States of America, let alone the city and county of Pittsburgh, let alone San Francisco County. He's violated every rule since he's come here from whatever country he's come from. A hit and run, he should have never got his medallion, period. A hit and run is a serious hit and run is a serious crime. I don't know if he was convicted of it, but the record shows that he was shown to be part of it, let alone other violations of the law pertaining to his waybills. I went through the waybills right here. He signed his name differently just about on half the waybills. There is no time stamp on those waybills. And look, a lot of us comply with the law. A lot of us drive cabs under all kinds of conditions. This man doesn't deserve a medallion, and I'd say stick by your rules. Revoke his medallion, and I don't think he should ever get one, period. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, Commissioner. The previous speaker just challenged and talked about his nationality of this person. That's very bad. Don't criticize somebody which country they come from. This previous speaker himself from America, when his application about this is Ram Medallion, he put it here and lost it in the paper, and then he came back to the commission complaining, hey, commission didn't took my application, put my name back on the list. So that person coming from whichever country, he has not that kind of understanding of the law. We have to give him a fair deal and a fair chance. And I would recommend put this case back on the track with his lawyer, and let's see what the document comes out. We must give the best justice we can give it to anybody. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. My name is Bashir Rahimi. As far as I understand, we are all from some part of the country. We are not completely 100% American Indian citizens. 
We're proud to be in this country, work like everybody has. I myself, uh, foreigns, I come from foreigns. If somebody came in here and threatened foreigns, this is like uh, hurting everybody. Uh, sir, uh, this man is a hardworking man in your community. I know him for years. He works all the time. He challenges him. Not only him, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of drivers make a mistake with his wheels. And he's one of them. So a lot of people does have a problems. But please, commissioners, give him a fair deal. Let him, his lawyer, handling one more time the opportunity to what he wants to do it. He's also just like has another citizen, hardworking man, give him a chance. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else wants to speak on this? Taxi. I can comment on what happened to Mr. Azam before 2007, but he's been with us for 2007 and 2008. He is a perfectly good driver. Um, he recently had a twins, and uh, he worked. He wor he's working even harder than he used to work. So um, he, for sure, completed his requirements for 2007 and 2008. But I can comment on what was going on before, because that was uh, prior to us. Thanks. Thank you. Anyone else wants to speak on this agenda item? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Commissioners, we have a decision from the hearing officer that good cause exists to revoke the medallion under the evidence and findings contained in the decision. Is there any discussion or any motions on this? We can't rehear the case. Again, we can just vote to adopt the findings to rehear the case I or I make the motion to adopt the uh, recommendations of the hearing officer. Okay. Is there a second? Is there any discussion? Yeah. I, I do want to make a statement, and I think this is something that we've been talking about for quite a while before we vote on this, and that is the fact that um, way bills are always under contention, and I think it's very unfair of us as a commission to only count completed way bills, as it says here, to hold, um, and I'm going to actually kind of jump to we will be reviewing uh, future guidelines, to hold um, the driver responsible for all of his way bills when we have not put in place a manner of ensuring that those way bills are accurate. This is all about wave bills. You know how I all feel, how I feel about the driving requirement, that I, I feel that at times it's uh, not quite my interpretation of Prop K. I mean, we all understand that. I'm the lone wolf here. But, uh, but I think we're, we need to really challenge ourselves and make sure that we hold a system accountable for the way bills if we're going to remove medallions from drivers or from permit holders, if we're going to remove them because the way bills are incorrect, how can we allow the system that we have in place continue? I, I just have to put that out on the plate because we have a number of hearings tonight and I'm very uncomfortable with it when it amounts to way bills. Okay. I would just add to that that the only problem that I have with this case and the claim that is being made in this case is that he's claiming that Yellow Cab lost his waybills. And I'm pretty familiar with the processes done at Yellow Cab, and, 
and I know that they don't, on a routine basis, lose anyone's waybills, and they have a pretty extensive process for storing waybills. And this gentleman was reprimanded in 2001, the very first year he had his medallion, and he signed it. There seems to be very little evidence that he ever drove the required number of shifts, and so I'm going to speak in support of the motion. And uh, if there's any other comments? We have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Sure. We can do a roll call if you'd like. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Onetto made the motion. So, Commissioner Benjamin? Uh, yes. Okay. Commissioner Pack? Yes. Commissioner Breslin? Uh, I will vote yes because of the, what I've just heard our president say, uh, but I still want to stay on record that I think we have a, a need to review what we're doing with the way bills. Okay. Commissioner Gillespie? Yes. Commissioner Subal? Motion passes. Um, the medallion will uh, will be uh, revoked according to the hearing officer's decision, and um, findings will be prepared, and uh, they will be released to the defendant, well, to his attorney. The um, before I announce the next case, um, someone in the audience has taken Sergeant Reynolds's packet for the hearing, and. No, is that the, is it the real agenda? It says his, it has his name on it. Okay, and does it does it is it the whole packet? All right, we found it. Okay. <laughs> Accusation withdrawn. Yep, we were gonna have an anonymous turn in at the front, but no longer necessary. Thank you very much, Commissioner Suval. <laughs> All righty, I will call the next item. Next item is uh, number eight, consideration of hearing officer's recommendations in tax commission versus James Niley. Um, unfortunately, there's a typographical error here. Um, this is not a dis uh, consideration of hearing officer's decision to revoke, as is stated here. as uh, permit number 897, national taxi, for violation of section 1081B of the municipal police code. Um, in, in fact, um, the uh, recommended decision is that the uh, record be left open, um, that the commission could file a new complaint, and that Mr. Niley be placed on two years probation, um, and that he um, be fined a uh, total of $1,375, that he also keep accurate and legible waybills. And that is spelled out in pages 19, 20, and 21 of the um, decision. So I apologize sincerely for that uh, typographical error. Uh, we didn't catch that in the agenda, and so it's again, it's not a decision to revoke, but merely to impose particular fines. Um, so I'll just remove myself once again to the bottom to just briefly present. Mr. Owen, this isn't a problem with uh, the noticing of this decision and that it was agendized and that.
All right. Okay. Commissioner Breslin, are you ready? Okay, so uh, once again, uh, this case was, uh, was brought some time ago. Um, it was uh, then um, forwarded to the hearing officer. The hearing date was June 15, 2007, so a uh, year and a few months ago. And uh, this is medallion number 897 that we're talking about here. So essentially, uh, this individual was charged with submitting fraudulent waybills. Um, there was a full hearing on it. Mr. Niley was present, uh, as was his attorney, Mr. Rotwein, who is here this evening. And um, evidence was heard, and it's all contained in the complaint. Eventually, um, Mr. Epstein found and recommended to you, uh, based on his findings, uh, several things. First, that the record be left open for the year 2007. Um, in case new evidence emerges regarding compliance with the full-time driving requirement for that calendar year. And then he recommended that if that was the case, uh, that new evidence was found, that the commission could file a new or amended complaint in light of the new evidence. Uh, he also recommended that Mr. Nyler be placed on two years probation from the date that the commission adopted the recommendation. And during that time, the commission could conduct quarterly audits, review any uh, evidence of compliance or lack thereof. And if there's failure during two or more quarterly audits, then that should uh, be a disciplinary hearing. And there would be an extreme presumption for revocation under those circumstances. Uh, quarterly audits could begin at any time, according to Mr. Epstein, following adoption of the recommendation, and may include 2007 because of the fact that the record would be left open under those circumstances. And he additionally found a court that in addition to uh, probation, he recommended that uh, there be s uh, several fines levied for particular violations and a total of $1,375 for those violations. And that uh, there be extremely accurate and legible waybills kept in this instance owing to the past problems with accuracy and legibility that he found was present here. Um, particularly any waybill that does not contain A to N of Municipal Police Code Section 1138, which are enumerated on page 20, um, and the AM PM designation for the actual shift work, uh, those should not be counted toward the full-time driving requirement. So that was, those were his findings. And um, so now his attorney will uh, come forward. Mr. Rowe. Thank you very much. Good uh, evening again. I'm delighted to say that I agree with this uh, decision. I agree with the findings and the ultimate recommendations. It's nice to be able to say that um, in some of these cases. Uh, and I would hope that you do adopt the, the recommendations with, um, with one change. Uh, let me just back up. Uh, this is a very extensive uh, case that was that was that was brought. It was an extensive amount of evidence that was presented by both sides in argument. Um, there, Mr. Neely has driven 725 shifts since 2002. 659 of them had been audited by the taxi detail or the and or the commission, and. Uh, there were 21 initial charges brought, 
by the commission against him that we went to Mr. Epstein for, and he came back with a decision that all but three showed, didn't show, actually. He said no resolution. If you look at pages 14, 15, and 16, he specifically finds May 22nd, June 11th, and then October 22nd of 2005, and he bolds it, no resolution. And I think that really is very indicative of his finding, his belief. He can't really resolve whether the taxi commission met their burden of proof to prove to preponderance the evidence that Mr. Neely committed a fraud. He says no resolution, and then at the very end on page 18, he says it is likely. Well, it is likely that something happens is not the requisite, and I know I'm talking like a lawyer. I am a lawyer. I'm talking like a lawyer. It is not the requisite preponderance of the evidence, which he does say. I find to preponderance of the evidence that a person didn't drive, a person committed fraud, and so on. But if you look at 18, his language always is that it's likely that he did. Well, I read over the decision, and we had some questions about June 11th, and I emailed Mr. Epstein, and he was very, very candid, and he's a very diligent man, and he looked into it. I said, I think you're wrong on June 11th. And sure enough, he came out with a decision today and said that he was wrong on June 11th, and he says, quote, this evidence undermines my inference. The word inference is really important. That means that what he was finding were inferences. That doesn't mean that he found that the burden of proof was met. This evidence undermines my inference that Mr. Neely's way bill for June 11th is fraudulent, end quote. So that reduces the three no resolution findings, they're not even findings, the three likelies down to two. And I think that the bottom line here, and what's really interesting is that it's indicative of how, if you look at this stuff, if you look at the GTU records and the airport records and the way bills and the testimony and the national logs long enough, many years after when people's memories are not the best, you know, it's difficult to figure out whether or not there is what happened, what specifically happened, and it's certainly difficult to come to a conclusion that there was fraud involved here. So I would say that it brings it down to two no resolution likelies. I don't think it is a sufficient finding of any kind of fraud. I don't think Mr. Neely did commit fraud. And I think that given the elimination of one of the three, I think that the fines for June 11th should be deleted as well. Mr. Epstein on page 20 recommended a fine of $1,375 based on three dates, May 22, June 11, and October 22. But if you delete June 11, that deletes $450 of the fine. So I think that it should be $1,375 minus $450. In all other respects, I think the recommended findings and recommendations to the commissioner are supported and they're acceptable. So I would urge the commission to adopt the recommendations but reduce the fine. I think that's only fair. Questions? You know, without getting into the details, I heard what you were saying about June 11th. I'm not sure where you're referencing where Mr. Epstein has admitted that that was. There's a memo that came out today. 
It came out today. Yeah. Do we have that? Okay, I want to. No. Heart, not ex parte. I always. CC Jordana. Multiple parties. Because that was done outside the hearing. Excuse me. I want to focus this conversation a little bit. Have you reviewed this letter, Director Thigpen? Yeah, he, he sent a letter to... Henry, after the decision was issued, mm -hmm. and Henry then responded to it. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, as Mr. Owen points out, um, you know, he did copy me on the correspondence. Technically, it's outside the, uh, it's not really in the realm of briefing that's contemplated because the decision's already left Mr. Epstein. He was trying to clear up something that he noticed in the brief, so, I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily have a strong objection to it because, um, but I, I know if I did it, he would be objecting to it. So I just want to point that out. <laughs> okay, I'm just, I mean, I'm trying to digest this quickly, and it just says the evidence undermines my inference that Mr. Neely's way bill for June 11th is fraudulent. So it, I, don't, I don't know whether to... Uh, take this into account when we're looking at the modifying this. That's the question before us right now is whether to modify this fine based on this letter. Uh, I propose something. Um, I was asked whether or not in some way this is improper, my, my request for a reconsideration. I think uh, a, uh, a court or an agency always has the, the discretion and the authority to modify its decisions. Repson came back to me and said, too bad, my decision is final. That's so what? Take it up in some other context? So be it. I would deal with it. But he instead recognized his error and modified his decision. Mr. Owen, is our ability to modify this case without rehearing it, uh, lowering the amount of the fine, is that an, a modification that we can do without rehearing the case? Okay. Any other questions from commissioners about... Either the, I'm happy to hear that you're otherwise happy with this decision. I think it was a very well-structured and well-thought-out decision, very thoughtful, and uh, more than uh, is fair to Mr. Neely. However, there are some relatively serious um, and reporting requirements going forward as, in terms of uh, you know very clear way bills and quarterly reports and, and our ability to audit and keep the case open for 2007. So are there I any other questions? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. If I may interrupt, I can say that I have impressed him with the extreme importance of complying with, with, the, with those rules. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think that. he understands that. Okay. Um, what was the recommendation for the modification? Of well, if we were to remove June 11th from the two uh, fines, that would be 450 minus, or whatever, the, what was the total fine? 1375. Okay, so that would be 
1375 minus 420. Brings it down to 925. Okay. Okay. Um, we're on questions now, and then I'm going to go back to uh, Jordana for a follow-up, and then uh, Mr. Rotwein for a follow, and we'll go to public comment. So if there's any other questions at this point. Uh, I do. I just want to be absolutely clear. The fine is based now on just two inaccurate waybills over how many years? 2005. Over one year. So the fine is based on two inaccurate waybills over a year. Okay, just want to know. The fine isn't based on two inaccurate waybills. It's based on the sum total of the whole case and the fact that this individual had prior discipline. So, I mean, there's a whole decision. It's not just like there was a needle in a haystack situation here. So, yeah. Um, I don't have anything else to say unless anyone has any questions because I'm not an advocate. So. Shut up, too. So. It's up to you. Okay. Public comment. Anyone would like to public comment on this case for one minute? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Commissioner, is there any discussion or a motion? I'll make a motion to accept the findings uh, subject to the modification to $925. With a motion and a second. All in favor? Or do we have a second? Is there a second? Second. Motion and a second. All in favor? No. Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes. Thank you. All right. Okay, it's now 7.30. Mr. Rowan, are you finished for the night? Okay, thank you. Yes, we'll go to the uh, special order public comment this time, uh, item 6. Item 6, public comment, special order time, 7.30 to 8 o'clock p.m. How okay. much time would you like to reserve? Um, is everyone who wants to speak on this public, why don't you just raise your hands? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to fill out a card, too, but can I see everyone's hands who wants to speak on this? Okay, I'll allow three minutes tonight. Barry Toronto, and then Tariq Mahmoud. And I saw yeah. Anybody who wants to speak, we'll allow you for three minutes tonight. Good evening, Commissioners. It's Barry Toronto. Um, I wasn't having anything coming to speak in public comment, but I'm a little angry watching the Vice President of this Commission continue, continue to attack the way the Taxi Commission staff uh, has standards of using waybills. You want standards for taxi drivers. You want, you want tab drivers to do properly. Well, the way bill is the way that the commission can do this. And the medallion holders, by this point, after hearing the messages of all these revocations, should know by now how to fill out a way bill properly. I think maybe a suggestion can make is maybe once every two weeks, for an hour, one of the commission staff could hold a class. How do you fill out a way bill properly? Because we're going to come and get you. We have standards for limousine drivers to fill out waybills because we're going to get them for not filling out a waybill for clients. Yet you continue to allow your hotels to operate illegally by allowing these limousines to continue to take passengers without prearranged appointments. You go to Hotel Vitale. It's still going on and on and on and on. You go to Hotel Omni. It goes on and on and on. They sit in white zones continuously. They don't have a cab stand for us. Yet they want cabs during rush hour. You go to the hotels on Stewart Street continuously, early in the mornings. There are plenty of town cars sitting and parked there. They're small boutique hotels. Do you think all their clients have need, need limousines and town cars? Commissioner President, you have standards for us. We have standards for you. You've been on this commission long enough. 
long enough. And I think it's about time that you, that you, that you help come to the table and work properly with everybody as a team here. It seems like the other members of this commission are seeming to be in, 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 in uh, coordination with each other better and better. They're taking staff more seriously, and staff is feeling more inclined to do the right thing and to work more diligently because they're getting the support from the commission. So I ask you tonight, I don't want to do this anymore because I don't think it's right to be attacking a commissioner. But I'm tired of sitting here and wasting my time watching you continue to attack us, cab-driving community, yet not make standards on your hotel staff people. You, we, need, we need to work the hotels. Oracle is, is a big convention. But I went around late last night driving, and I saw that I didn't see a lot of need for taxis late at night. And I'm telling you, I'm a little concerned the staff was not more involved with making sure there were cab stands everywhere where there were major events. The, the cab stands are in hor hor horrific places for this Oracle convention. They take away the cab stands. They put in lots of places for charter buses. But they don't help us, cab drivers, do our jobs. So I ask you tonight to help us out. And closing, on these major cases, I think it's automatically that you do, President Breslin, I mean President Gillespie, that, excuse me, that you do uh, roll call votes on these cases. I think it should automatically be it. Anyway, thank you for your time. If I may just kind of jump in. I know this should be under an announcement, a commissioner announcement, but I was so pleased that I, I want to announce it now, piggybacking on, on the public speaker, that the Hotel Vitali is actively looking to put in a taxi zone. And I think that's a, a very good thing to announce at this point since they were mentioned as a hotel that was not in favor of a taxi zone. They're actively putting in a taxi zone. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, Commissioner Tariq Mahmood. First of all, I would like to say to these commissioners, all the commissioners, maybe somebody should resign. We need some Indian background, some Middle Eastern background commissioner over here. I'm tired of Tamaneto against this foreign-based people against them. I'm also tired of Tamaneto trying to keep going after the long-term leaseholder, which are mainly the foreigners, not the locals. So please... Try to understand your attitude towards this long-term leaseholder, the foreigner, the Middle Eastern, is not good. And I have noticed that I requested you to give that guy a fair chance, and you guys started immediately, no, kick him out, because you don't like his face. Next, going after this, meter and keys. We are still waiting for the meter and keys. Everybody's mum and silent, and the gas is killing us, killing us. And you are busy in this unnecessary procedures. And $30 a day, we are paying every shift from our pocket extra. As regard to this Willemo, Sergeant Renner, Omni story is there. Vitali is there. I had a case with Vitali, and no action is taken. Every day the same thing is happening at Vitali, yet. Keeping a taxi stand is not important over there. Now, coming to the next point... What happened that night? UTW tell us. They throw a thousand flyers trying to prove who is the employee or the drivers are employee or independent contractor. They went outside Jello. They went to the airport. They sold their, under the name of donation, their newsletter also same time. And then there was a convention at Market Street. I was eager to see how many people come there. Thousand flyers is a lot. 
You know how many people come there? You'll be surprised. Let alone single one company, Yellow, 1,500 people, five people from Yellow came there. UTW, leave us alone. You have failed us. Your style of confronting continuously, not letting the companies work. When the previous legislation was passed about that lawsuit by the Board of Supervisors, Ned Duviri was not in this country. He was sitting in Nicaragua in the jungle without a phone. And you were pursuing every supervisor here. And still they passed it. The game is, what is the fair thing to do for the industry? So please be cooperative. Let's start trying to negotiate things that are trying to help the other person. Hey, are you in trouble? Is somebody going to attack on you? Is EDD coming after you? Can we help you? Not that we should try to cut you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next speaker. Chairman Gillespie, fellow commissioners, um, I think the points well taken is that when most of the cabs outside of San Francisco have raised their fees, and you have not done one item in that in our behalf in that re in respect, the peninsula I have six copies of here, where the whole peninsula now, outside of the city of San Jose, has meters of 350. For the drop, three dollars a mile. We're at two and a quarter a mile, three ten a drop. Effectively, everyone in the Bay Area now has raised the meter, plus they have added a surcharge. While this commission has not promoted the taxi drivers here in San Francisco to do the same, and I think you ought to do it tonight. Put together a proposition that you can put to the, to the Board of Supervisors and get the overall meter up now. City of San Jose has a $2 surcharge. It's been in effect since last month. We also would like that as well. I think that's important. I think based on the business, the conditions, that as we go into winter, after summer, you get that summer bubble from all the tourists. Probably it's going to be over after Oracle when, uh, the Oracle conventions over this week. Business starts sliding because there are basically too many cabs in the city just to feed on local business and not enough tourist business. So I think if you can do that, put together a proposal, sit it out, push it out to the taxi or uh, to the board of supervisors, it would be appreciated. And one last thing, also, I think you got a good on the record that uh, the ex-director's statement and the California lawyer, you ought to go on record to state that it's false and that you shouldn't be making statements in public about all cab drivers being ex-cons because they obviously are not. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good evening, Commissioners. My name is Bashir Rahimi. I hope I keep my medallion. I don't know if I'll be tomorrow cab driver or not. But one thing came in my mind tonight. We pay the highest rents in the city. The city charge the high rents, the high gas price, but we are the lowest rate of the meter. I don't understand why, Commissioners. Every city around of San Francisco, surround of your city, they, they change the price. And their rent, on their gas price is very, very cheaper compared to house. Now, I don't know why you don't want to change it. Probably you don't care about cab driver. Please care about us. 
a little bit, just this much. Thank you very much. Carl McMurdo, the Medallion Holder Association, requests that you continue with the moratorium on adverse actions for failure to meet driving requirements pertaining to medallion holders who have disability accommodation requests on file while the Ninth Circuit case is still pending in the Marathu Sloan disability case. I think that's the right thing to do, and I hope you'll continue that, even though a letter was sent out that has scared some of the people. It's like a sword of Damocles to the ones who are actually disabled. They're being pressured to go out and try to drive. I also would ask for a moratorium on certain other adverse actions, particularly administrative fines, and it's pretty much specific to a couple of issues. There's a rules committee that Mr. Onetto and Ms. Breslin and Paul are the three members of, and there have been a couple of rules that are suggested to be eliminated or substantively changed, and there have been some administrative fines recently that would contradict the changes that are recommended. It has to do with the 30-day notification rule and, in some cases, driving your own medallion rule, which is really bad for public service to enforce. So thank you very much. Thank you. Good evening again, Commissioners. I want to complain about the situation with people picking up fares in San Francisco. It's gone beyond the limousines now. It's airporters. They're out there in droves picking people up. I don't know what the law is about airporters, but I know they're out there picking people up. And also, I have counted at least four cabs out there that are not with any cab company. They're old taxis with a taxi sign on top, and they're picking people up. Now, nobody's doing anything about this. I mean, I'm not blaming Sergeant Reynolds. He's underhanded, but nobody, the police, do nothing about this. Underhanded, I mean like this. Okay, I'm sorry. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is that the whole thing is out of control, and something has to be done about it. And also, I have to mention one other thing. It's not just the limousines outside the hotels. It's cabs as well, and certain taxi drivers will pay doormen. I got stopped by a cab the other day, by a hotel the other day, and the man said, do you want to go to SFO? And I said, sure. He said, I said, I'm not going to pay you, though. And he said, well, get lost. And the hotel was on Bush Street, and there's only a few on Bush Street, so you can tell which ones they are. But they're all doing this, and, you know, that's not fair to every driver. I'm not going to pay $10 to go to the airport. That means I make $25 to go to the airport. It's ridiculous. I'm already making low enough money as it is without having to do that. You know, so apparently there's a lot of cab drivers who are willing to pay to go to the airport, but not me. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else wants to speak on public comment? Yeah, Mark, go ahead. Thank you, Mark Gruber again. You know, every week this commission is treated to a version of the same broken record 
Sometimes it lands in one place on the record. Sometimes it lands in another place on the record. It's the same record. And, you know, we've just stopped answering, responding to this stuff because I think people get the idea of where it's coming from. It's really a kind of public stalking going on, and I'm sure you don't appreciate it any more than we do. But every once in a while I think it might help to, you know, clear the air of some of the disinformation that comes out. And so since the subject came up, I'd like to say and for people to know that United Taxicab Workers has helped hundreds, hundreds of drivers with workplace problems. And we've actually gone out and represented countless numbers of drivers at official hearings on workers' compensation, on security deposits, on unemployment. And we have a success rate of very close to 100%. It's only the very odd case that's been lost. And I just would like to encourage drivers who are having a problem in any of these areas to come to United Taxicab Workers, give us a call, and we can give you advice. And in the proper case, we can actually go out and represent you and possibly help you get your money back, help you get on unemployment, help you get workers' compensation, and for other workplace problems as well. This is something, this is a constant activity at UTW, and maybe it goes on under the radar too much, and so I wanted to call people's attention to this. You can call United Taxicab Workers' Office at 864-8294, and we will be glad to help you with these problems. Thank you. Thank you. If I may, I didn't know we were allowing infomercials. Now, if we are, that's fine. If it's something that is being addressed to the commission, I welcome it. My time was not up, and I would like to respond to that. If there is an attack upon a group, we have a right to respond, and my response was completely polite and completely civilized and totally within the bounds of allowable comment. I think that you are very respectable, professional, and I respect all of your comments. I truly do. I just don't want to broaden the parameters. We're either addressing the commission, and I will be the first to say to someone else, as you have heard me say before, that they are out of line when they attack somebody as well. This is public comment. If people can make attacks that are unjustified and without basis, why can't we respond to them? Okay. Thank you. And I believe, I think. I'm sorry, Paul. I apologize. I think Mark's comments were completely appropriate tonight. It's public comment, talking about the role that UTW plays in the industry as a perfectly legitimate thing to do during the course of public comments. And I think he did it in a very respectful way. And I think, you know, just everyone, let's focus on the issues and not too much more on personal attacks, and I appreciate the tone that Mark took tonight. So I have two more cards here, Mohammed and Kajendra. Are you still here? Okay. Good evening. UTW lost all the trust of the drivers. UTW doesn't have any belief and good faith of the drivers because of 
Previously, UTW was raising the issue of prepay, prepay safety money. Similarly, UTW is saying we the drivers are employees. We are not employees. There is no any legal ground on that. So that those issues were failed. What else, UTW, you have any, any other new programs and plans for the drivers? I don't think so. You, you, you have any beneficial for the drivers. You lost all kinds of support and faith of the drivers. UTW disturbed the whole commission, taxi cab companies, and drivers for nothing. Last time, the commission was full of the drivers. There are two rooms were full, of, full by the drivers because of nonsense issuing. Go ahead, UTW. Take care of your green cab. Make the green cab bigger and bigger, better and better, and day by day. But don't bother any other. Leave the other uh, taxi companies and drivers alone. Thank you. With the President's permission, I need to balance my comments. And just as I had said previously that I didn't believe that UTW needed to speak out to their audience at the Commission that I would prefer as they normally do come before us about issues. I also have to just balance it with when we have other individuals coming before us denouncing an organization over which we have no control, they're a, a, a separate association that does their mission to help their members. I have to say that's not, uh, it's public comment, but it's not truly appropriate here. It, we are here to help the industry. We are not here to separate who's going to be on one side or the other within the industry. We're here to help the industry. And I hope that everyone out there takes that to heart. And um, this uh, petty, petty commentary and I know the attorney's trying to get my attention saying I'm out of line again. No. Uh, all right. Am I out of no. line again? No, I was just commenting that three minutes is probably more than people can handle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I want to make it clear. We are not here for, for one body to recommend or, or be detrimental to another body. We are here to help the industry. And I would appreciate the public to focus on that. Thank you, Commissioner Breslin. Is there anyone else? Mohammed? This will be the last speaker. Is there anyone else who wants to speak after this? This will be the last speaker. The last commission director was told last meeting to send a letter to city controller for meter increase. Did she send any letter? And also, I would like to say something. Uh, look, UTW or whatever yellow problem, like, I don't want anybody comes to at the airport and distribute the flyer, hey, say you are employee, they try to 
tell us you're going to be employed very soon. Just I will tell UTW, whoever, they should leave us alone. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else would like to speak under public comment? Okay, seeing none. All right. Mr. Breslin is back. We are 23 minutes. So uh, the next, we have uh, disciplinary cases, or I can just return to consent. Yeah, I'd like to go back report. to the original uh, agenda order now. Okay, so um, the next item is item two, staff report and commissioner announcements. And um, as I noted, I, usually I try to do a, a written memorandum so that there's a record of my work, um, but I didn't, I didn't have time to do that because I was attending the uh, International Association of Transportation Regulators, IATR, conference um, with President Gillespie. And um, I want to thank the commission and the industry through the permit fees for sending us to that conference. Um, it was incredible, and we really, we really learned a lot. Um, it may sound really boring to everyone else, but <laughs> it's really fun to be with a bunch of other taxi regulators. So I'm just going to say that. Um, <laughs> sure, people are thinking that doesn't sound fun, but it was. And we learned a lot, and I actually have um, – I would, if I have time, I'd like to do like a little summary written of the conference and what we learned. Um, but I'll just give you an overview of just briefly of some of the topics that we considered. Um, I personally presented um, at a panel on uh, green taxis, um, regulatory experiences actually with alternative fuel vehicles was the title of it. Um, we also um, considered uh, regulatory approaches, mandates versus voluntary incentives. So some jurisdictions are only doing voluntary things. Some, as ours, have more of a mandate. Um, some jurisdictions, it's just incredible. I mean, Canada in particular, you know, um, some of these cities have like 65% Priuses, which is really amazing when you consider the climate in Canada, which is much more of a snow climate. Uh, for anyone who's lived in a snow climate, it's, you know, there's chains involved and it's just really not a good situation at all. Um, of course, I've never really lived in a snow climate, so I might feel differently if I had. But in any event, it's pretty amazing that there's 60% of Priuses in that kind of a climate, so that was notable. Uh, driver personal safety is another topic we considered, um, security cameras, shields, etc. cetera. Uh, we also considered um, there's this, uh, actually it's part of the um, Center for Disease Control. They have a, a center for occupational safety and health, and they're actually going to do a nationwide study on taxi driver safety. And so they were asking for the industry, um, the regulators, rather, support. And some industry members were there, too. And everybody was very supportive of the idea. There's a guy that has a Ph.D. in workplace violence has been his focus. So he's going to study taxi drivers. So that's really interesting. Um, he'll probably come up with some good suggestions. Uh, we also took a tour of the Los Angeles um, airport dispatch system, which was really similar to ours, basically. Um, ours is actually more advanced. So... Those were all really interesting. And I have all the materials in the office and, of course, um, pursuant to Sunshine, they're available for anyone who wants to come in and view them. I've already had one person come in so far and view them. So that was good. A um, couple other things. Um, we issued a couple summary suspensions um, over the past couple weeks. Uh, that's unfortunate, but we did have to do that. We had excellent response of the four, at the 49ers game. On Sunday, we really want to thank everyone. We had an unprecedented 133 taxi pickups at the 49ers game. That is incredible. 
and the industry should be commended for that. We had 66 yellow cabs, 26 Luxor cabs, 12 DeSotos, and then um, six or under of most of the other companies. So thank you very much. I do want to point out that many companies, 20 out of 30, have not turned in their designated manager form. It's due by Friday. And if you don't turn it in, and we don't have a manager for you, unfortunately, we'll have to issue a fine. So I just want everyone to keep that in mind, and please avail yourself of the rule. And a failure to cooperate will be the basis for the fine. So please fill it out. I can look at many of you in this room, and I know that you haven't filled it out. So just please try to do that. Okay. Um, the other thing is... Uh, I've been advised by the taxi detail that to advise all cab companies, no more cash will be accepted at the taxi cab detail. Drivers are to come and pay for their applications with a check, money order, or a check from the company. Okay? No more cash. Or what's that? Yeah, yeah a check, a personal check, a business check, or a money order. Okay? Um, no, uh, no cash will be accepted. Um, also, I've informed the taxi detail, all medallion applicants should not be paying for their fingerprinting fees down at the detail. That's included in your fee that you pay to the taxi commission. So if you, you know, any, any medallion applicants who've done that, I've already had one in the office, don't, don't pay it at the detail and we're sorting that out. I am taking responsibility for that. I will personally handle these requests because it's not, it's not fair to the, the people that, you know, we've raised these application fees and then you're, you're double paying. That's not fair. Okay. So if you have a problem, you know where to find me on that regard. Um, also, uh, I'd like to tell you that um, <laughs> we have several medallion applicants that are limousine drivers. And I know who you are, so if you're watching or you're going to find out about this, that I made this statement later, I just want you to really think about your application and how you're going to be perceived at this commission when it's revealed that you're a limousine driver and are poaching business from the taxi cab industry and then are trying to get a medallion. So just keep that in mind, please. I just want to make that statement, okay? It's, there are people that are, there are legitimate limousine drivers that are legitimate industry, but there are people that are not. And the ones that are not, we know who these people are, okay? So again, these are illegal transportation providers and I apologize for not making illegal transportation at the beginning of my comments, but that is what we are dealing with here. So just please think about that perception for you as an applicant that you're also an illegal transportation provider. It's not, not appropriate. Uh, so I think that's, that's it for my comments. Um, and then uh, Sergeant Reynolds will come forward. Oh, one more thing. Um, while I was gone, I was made aware of a company and I'm going to be making a phone call to them. They're known as Avego. And they are a very uh, unusual service. Uh, what they do is they turn private citizens into taxi drivers. So you sign up with Avego, and then you give them your cell phone number, and people sign up with, with the company. And then you can be driving down the street in your private car, get a text message, and then it'll say, you know, pick up at the corner of, you know, Van Ness and, uh, and Ellis. And you're driving down the street, and then you pull over and pick up this person. And that is a violation of the law. So I'm going to be meeting with our representatives. Um, this is not acceptable. And so 
anyone who's thinking about Avego as a potential money-making opportunity, we do issue A-cards, and we would be happy to have you in the taxi cab industry. So please think about that before and registering with a color scheme before you decide to sign up with Avego. I'm very concerned about this. So I just need to say that. And now I will call Sergeant Reynolds. Good evening, Commissioners, Executive Director, honored guests. I think I found my nickname tonight, Sergeant Underhanded. So I think that that's what I'm going to use. Don't take it personally, Sergeant. Not at all. I first want to talk about the enforcement. We tried something new last weekend, and we had moderate success. Friday night for four hours, we had motorcycle officers out there citing the you-know-what out of the limousines. Limousine doesn't have a license plate. They get pulled over. Limousine in a bus zone. They get pulled over and get a ticket. So we issued quite a few citations. That's going to be a continuing process for the next couple of weeks to see how effective that program will be. So we had that enforcement Friday night. Saturday night, we had six hours of regular enforcement where three arrests were made. Sunday, we had eight hours of enforcement where four arrests were made. And then tomorrow, we're going to saturate Oracle to see how many more limousines and illegal cabs we can pick up. So I just wanted to answer that to the Commission and to the audience that we are, in fact, putting people out there more and more. This month, we have four independent arrests of limousine drivers from patrol that have not been trained by the taxi detail. So the officers on the street are beginning to understand the problem. It's being passed from word to mouth, and officers are actually making those stops. As the Executive Director mentioned, we are now at a weekly suspension. We are suspending somebody once a week. And I'm going to talk about four cases, three of them negative, one of them positive. But I just want to inform you as to what has been going on since the last two weeks I spoke with you. San Francisco Police Report Number 08098648. On 9-1608, a driver came to the taxi detail to report that basically he was being required to pay a 10% to 20% surcharge to get airport runs by the dispatch company. He argued about that when he lost a fare, and he stated that threats were made against him from the color schemes dispatch. We set up a pretext phone call where that means the police, since this is a crime under 1077A of the MPC, we set up a pretext phone call where the color scheme dispatch stated that they wanted to meet with this driver so they could discuss how much he had to pay in order to get airport runs. The driver was fitted with a tape recorder and was sent to that color scheme where a tape recording of that conversation took place. And during that conversation, the driver's life was threatened. A police report was filed. That is being investigated by the district attorney's office and by our office. Unfortunately, on Thursday the 18th, the color scheme then fired that driver for creating being a problem driver. The taxi commission and the taxi detail will not tolerate any driver being 
subjected to whistleblowing action. So we are now doing a complete investigation on that particular color scheme. We are getting phone records and trying to see just how that driver got fired. So this will be something I will be sending to you in the next few weeks for you to make a decision on. But I just want you to be aware that we are taking a very proactive rapport. My understanding is there is another threat that has been made today, and a police report has been encouraged on that part. Case number 08099463 also occurred at the end of last week, where a driver went to a hotel. The cab in the number one position was attempting to load a fare. The driver pulled in front and attempted to take that fare, claiming that it was his. The passengers entering the cab were grabbed and physically dragged to the other cab. The security were called, and an altercation occurred between the driver and the security people. Ultimately, the driver was arrested, so that case is also being investigated by the Bureau of Investigations and by our unit. Last week, we had a PCO officer come into our unit. She had been assaulted by a limousine driver at one of the hotels while she was issuing a citation. The injury caused her to be out of work for four weeks. Apparently, that case was not criminally investigated, and the district attorney has asked our office to put the case together because they are going to prosecute the limousine driver. And then finally, I want to mention a little bit about the hotels and about what we've seen in the last year. And again, I want to thank Commissioner Breslin for her fine work in getting us together. First of all, the Vitale has fired their old limousine company and has hired a new one. And I know this personally because the old limousine owner contacted me personally and told me exactly what he thought of me for getting him kicked out of that business. Case number 08099736, Fairmont Hotel. The doorman and the concierge for the last seven years has been requesting a 20% tip for airport runs. The limousine driver was actually giving him not only 20% but bringing them alcohol while they were on duty. The security officers at the Fairmont have been investigating this now for several months. They caught the transaction taking place on tape. The police were called, and the Fairmont Hotel arrested their doorman for 1105MPC, soliciting limousines. So I just want to say the Fairmont Hotel, good job. We would not have had this a year ago. So I am convinced that the hotel industry is working with us. They are going to discipline these folks, and they are going to prosecute these folks. So basically, I just wanted to let you know that those are the last four events that this office has been working for the last two weeks. Thank you, Sergeant. That finishes my report. Any questions? Any other commissioner announcements anyone would like to make? I actually have a question for you and for our executive director at the IATR. Was there anything, any 
any organizations from other cities that are dealing with merging their whole transportation system with the taxi industry? Or are they all separate? I'm just curious. A lot of them are already there. I think the most interesting example of that happening in the last five years has been London, which almost has followed the exact same pattern that we did, which was for almost 400 years the public carriage office was under the police department. They then decided that they were going to take the public carriage office out of the police department and put in a larger transport for London. So that process has been going on in the last five years, and it pretty much mirrors what we're doing here in terms of 10 years ago we were in the police department, we've been standalone, and we will be merged into the MTA. So it's a similar process. There still are a few cities that are regulated by their police department, but most cities in America now are either regulated by the transit or the transportation agency. So I think when we did this 10 years ago, it was sort of the start of a trend. And just to follow up on that, this is my 10th year now on this commission. From the very beginning I was on here, this is the fourth time I've gone to the IOTR, and it's interesting that a lot of the things that we were advocating 10 years ago, and that we were the first to advocate really, like digital security cameras, and at that time the wheelchair accessible program was a handful, and that's really expanded, GPS-based dispatch, and now hybrid taxis. A lot of these ideas that were started and pioneered here in San Francisco have really caught on around the rest of the country. So when you take the big picture look at what we've done on this commission, I think we've done some really good things in terms of some of these new technologies and things in the taxi industry. Hybrid taxis especially, and I congratulate Jordana for the presentation that she made, and it's just amazing what's going on in the country right now. I mean, we started this here in San Francisco, and New York picked it up, and there's at least five other cities that are contemplating almost an identical law to what we passed and what New York has passed. There are some complications. As you might know, New York's Taxi and Limousine Commission has been sued by their industry challenging their clean taxi law, which is something that I hoped wouldn't happen out here in San Francisco, and to our industry's credit, it didn't happen, and they've been working with us on our law, but New York has got a real challenge, and they've asked us to support them in whatever way we can, so we're going to be looking into that, perhaps signing on to a front-of-the-court brief or something like that to support them, and a lot of other cities in America want to do that too. From a perspective of 10 years of going to these things, I think it's really impressive some of the things we've accomplished here in San Francisco and how they've taken off in the rest of the country, and so I'm proud of that. Thank you, and for those who are cautious about the merger, because I hear a lot of rumblings about the concerns, it's nice to hear that for the whole country it's a positive direction, and I am a believer that if it's transit first, we do have to be part of it, and we have been first in so many other areas that we might as well be part of this as well. President Gillespie? Yes. We're done with that subject. It's just dawned on me that what is the penalty when illegal limousine is caught, like a first time, second time? Well, there actually is a provision, 1187.1 of the Municipal Police Code, which authorizes a fine of up to $2,500. So, you know, I had hopes of bringing two such cases for which I personally wrote citations, but there were some issues with those. What we need to do, again, is do another enforcement action, which we'll plan with the CPUC and attract some officers for it, and then I will, myself and Scott from my office, we will go out and we will personally issue citations 
to these limousines, and then if they are illegally operating without a permit, as is spelled out in 1187.1, and we will bring them to you, and we shall see if the fines are upheld. All right. I'm just saying this because this issue is one of those issues that keeps popping up, and obviously with this amount of fine, it's a penalty. It's still thriving. There are illegal limousines and limousines legal or illegal that are still thriving, doing the business, and taking away business from the taxi industry, and that's why the reason that I ask the amount of penalties. And other than penalties, is there any other strong deregulations that we can work towards to? And if there's any other institutions and commissions, and if not local, perhaps state level? Well, it's been my hope for some time to do a full report to this commission on some of the problems that have led to what we face right now. Some of the problems are DMV related. For example, a person claims to lose a license plate, a livery license plate on a limousine. They can just tell DMV they lost it, and DMV will just issue them a new one. There's problems with that. There's problems with the TCP sticker not being standardized. There's problems with the whole fact that limousines are regulated by the CPUC and not by this commission or by a limousine authority that would cover northern California and one that would cover southern. I don't know. There's all kinds of changes that could take place. Those I would like to spell out in a full report to you so you understand the breadth of the problem, and I've been meaning to do that for some time, and I apologize for that. Sergeant Reynolds will also be part of that report when we give it to you, and we'll probably do it the second meeting in October. That will probably be the time for that, but we'll see. That is great. I know we're short of manpower always, and we always have these issues that we have to follow up. But, I mean, ever since I was on this commission, this illegal limousine issue has been just crazy. It's just too much. So I really feel that we should move forward to something that is really showing everybody that there's a change that we're making. Thank you. Commissioner, if I may, one of the biggest problems we have is we are fighting the limousine industry in 2008 using 1950 laws, and that is our biggest problem is that we need new laws on the books, new legislation, so we can fight it differently than we are now. We need to be seizing those vehicles. We need to be holding them, and unfortunately the laws do not allow us to do that without the danger of if we lose a case, the department would then be liable for all the storage fees, and it doesn't take long before you get into the thousands of dollars. So I know that the PUC, we are all working together to try to come up with some changes. There's going to be some new legislation on about cell phone usage. So we're getting there, but still, the MPC is very old, and it's very difficult to use those standards 50, 60 years ago to the problem that we're having today. All right. Thank you. I'm looking forward to your report. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes. I noticed on the calendar that we have listed on September 23rd that we're going to be discussing this fare increase and the meter drop, but there's nothing on the agenda in regards to that, and I think that if we can't discuss it on those, in that realm, that we should immediately discuss it in regards to a surcharge. That's something that we should be forwarding through. 
So the report from the controller was supposed to be issued and come tonight. Um, and in fact, I delayed the agenda until Friday because they, they informed me that it would be on the agenda. So I was waiting until the very last minute. At the very last minute, I was told that no, it would be issued before the October 14th hearing, but not in time to make it for the September 23rd hearing. So you will have it next week. You will have the report. The public will have the report. There will be plenty of time to review it. I will try to give you some information in addition to the report. If, if anybody wants any specific information, let me know and I'll, I'll get it together for you. And then on October 14th, we'll have a full discussion. That's actually more appropriate considering that we had all these disciplinary cases tonight anyways. It's going to be a very uh, controversial issue and uh, we want to be sure to get lots of public comment on this uh, when we do hear this, both from the public that never comes down and watches TV and or that doesn't even know there's a taxi commission and also of course the public comment in the audience. So it's actually more appropriate that we would have it on the 14th. Yeah. Anyone else? Okay, public comment on the staff report for one minute. Anyone you can just come right up. I was reading between the lines uh, with regard to this uh, threatening situation. I gather that that arises from the practice that some dispatch companies have of deals with hotels to call them when they have an airport and then the driver is instructed and demanded to give the money, give money to the doorman. I hope you're all aware that this occurs. I provided uh, Inspector Reynolds with a list of 35 or 40 hotels that have such a practice. And um, I'm aware that uh, when you command a driver to give anybody money, that comes under the heading of extortion. Thank you. At the uh, last taxi commission meeting, I believe it was mentioned that the charter amendment committee set for Thursday would likely be canceled. Uh, several people have called me to ask me whether or not it's on. Thanks. The charter reform working group is canceled for the month of September. And that is due to um, Commissioner Heine our former Commissioner Director Heineke's schedule and not to any other factor. So just to clear up any rumors and innuendo. While we're on that subject, uh, we've rescheduled the next Rules Committee also meeting for the 14th of October. Yes. Is that right? Okay. The Rules Committee will meet at, I believe, 1030 on October 14th. And um, the Taxi Advisory Group, which is an MTA formed uh, committee to advise on the merger, that meets every other Thursday. So it'll meet next Thursday at uh, 130 at MTA's offices on the seventh floor. Okay, thank you. Next speaker. Um, Commissioner, very briefly, I asked this question once in the past or twice in the past, and I never got an answer. Uh, what is the minimum shift versus the maximum shift per hours? Because I've looked over some of the waybills between three hours, six hours, nine hours, 12 hours, 13 hours. What are the rules? And I think you, Mr. Gillespie, was going to look into it and make a statement on that going back a couple of months ago or six to seven weeks ago when I brought the subject up that there were recorded shifts of three hours that were considered a shift. And since that was the minimum that I'd seen, what is the maximum hours per shift? Because the rule is 156 or 800 hours. And technically, what are we looking at? 24-hour uh, shifts, maybe? 12-hour shifts, 10-hour shifts? What? And we don't have anything definitive there to work with. 
So if you can get an answer to this group or for the public, have it in a book, I would thank you. Thank you. I think I understand your, what the maximum number of shifts that a person can work in one day is 12 hours according to state law, as I understand it. Commissioners, uh, that's all I want to say. Advice to the color scheme holder to make a deal with the hotel. They have to realize that's a crime because when once again you are accusing the limousine people to don't pick up illegally, when you are going to make a deal with the doormans to pay him $10, beware of that. If we work by the help of uh, Surgeon Rome, I mean, Inspector Romans, hopefully will those people also get caught and get a fine. That's only just, I'm right now, make a comments, be careful, it's illegally, don't make any, don't give any money to doormans, don't make any rule and regulations to be, get caught, and then come back in here with a lot of excuses. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, good evening, Commission. Last week I was at the hotel of St. Francis Drake. I was number one position, so, after five minutes later, Dorman brought a airport, and by the time uh, there is a checker cab came and pick up that airport and give the Dorman ten dollars. Then I argued the Dorman what happened. I'm number one. Why he gave him the fare? So oh, we called the taxi. I see you see, don't see the taxi over here. And why did he call the taxi? You know, checker cab have most of the hotel pre-arranged. I think they go to Four Seasons, other few hotels, and town taxi. Those uh, they have a link with the Dorman. They give doorman $10, even though you are number one or number two, they don't care. They just give uh, fare to the checker cab. Thank you. Thank Please you. Look into that. Good evening, Commissioners. I think Sergeant Reynolds is doing a fantastic job. <coughs> Excuse me. I'd have to say that we have never heard reports like that so thorough and so indicative of the problems going on in the industry. And I think you should take heed to one of the issues, and that is this company have threatened this driver over the issue of requiring payments for the airport fares. And I think tonight you should actually request that they start disciplinary proceedings immediately or even summary suspension and have the medallion holders move because of this type of practice should not be tolerated in the industry. And this type of behavior should not be allowed. The message should go out there that this is not appropriate and to be threatening a driver who, who, who came regarding something that he, that he or she is not allowed to do. And so I appreciate it that you actually take action tonight and ask for more information. Also, I, I want to say that the number of taxis serving the 49ers is fantastic, but it's indicative of the lack of business throughout the rest of the city on a Sunday evening. So, uh, and, and go 49ers. Thanks. Anyone else wants to speak here? Good evening, Commissioners. Limo business. Somebody don't like it, there's a door on the back to walk out. All over the town, the hotels, each hotel, every hotel, there are limos sitting over there. Are they legal limo? No, they are not legal. Legal mean if you get the fare, a pre-range. They are just waiting there, and the doorman brings the business to them, and then still if we call them legal, they are not legal. And it's going on 99% almost. 
and I hear little bit bit hair story and hair story, this action, this action, but the whole city, the limo business is still going on. Who is going to solve this issue? Somebody needs to take serious action. It's been going on for years and years and years. Thank you. Uh, Mark Ruberg. Uh, yes, we have a serious problem with limos. I'd say far more than serious. Um, th this is this is a type of corruption that's totally unacceptable. But when you hear the report of Sergeant Reynolds and and the incident that he reported about a, a taxi company and what they were doing to their taxi driver, this is in our own house, and. This is an absolutely outrageous situation that should be dealt with as, as harshly as, as it is possible to do so. But what's going on in our house is far wider, far broader, far deeper than that incident. It, it extends into the largest companies in this industry. And I'm not claiming that there are demands for money in, in, in the same sense, but there certainly are expectations of money, and we need a house cleaning in Thank this industry. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, next item. I'll reopen public comment for one more person. I just want to respond very quick about several accusations against because I hear my our cab company's name. First of all, there is no such requirement as far as our cab company is concerned. So there is no such deals or whatever accusations we heard from one individual. And it's never happened. And there is some cab drivers who would like to tip. They are independent contractors. They are entitled to do that. There is nothing in taxi cab rules to prohibit cab drivers to tip. Everybody tipping. Some people tip, some people not. But there's not, nothing in taxi cab rules that prohibit cab drivers from tipping. Taxi cab rules and regulations only prohibit cab companies' employees to accept the tips. That's a different story. So I just want to make that clear. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Anyone else again? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Next item, consent calendar. The next item is the consent calendar. I'll read an admonition and then refer to some specific items. All matters listed here under constituted consent calendar are considered to be routine by the Commission and will be acted upon by a single roll call vote of the Commission. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the Commission so requests, in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar considered as a separate item. And we have... Uh, couple of issues here. Um, first, we have um, C1, which was continued from the September 9th, 2008 meeting at the request of commissioners, I believe specifically Commissioner Pack and others then agreed uh, that the applicant should attend the meeting. I have uh, information about that particular situation. And is the individual here? Is Stephen Tan here? Okay. Okay, don't come up yet. Just like hang out. Um, okay, and then, uh, <laughs> sorry, my very bad generational slip language there. Anyways, uh, then also um, D3, um, inadvertently, we had a little um, server issue in our office. 
which we had to deal with. And so anyways, we made a mistake and someone was inadvertently left off the notice calendar on September 9th, 2008 agenda. And so for that reason, we're asking that you vote to waive the noticing requirement for that person and then you would be able to vote for him. Okay, so I'm going to need to recuse myself on C1 as well as D1, 2, and 3. And then Mr. Benjamin needs to recuse himself on C2 and 3. So all six of those items will be severed and voted on separately. Okay, is there any public comment on the consent calendar tonight? For one minute, Tariq, go ahead. Whoever's first. Just in the matter of medallion number 337, the medallion owner and I also request that we make the transition on the first so that I don't have drivers sitting home for a week. Okay, let me, this is C3, medallion number 337. What are you asking again, Richard? Well, normally we would drop the medallion off at the other company the next day, but he and I both request that we be allowed to do that on the first. You want it effective October 1st? Exactly. Okay, is Mr. Peppers here tonight? He's not here. Is there any, do you see any problem with us doing it in this manner, Mr. Owen, making it effective on October 1st? I don't. I told him he needed to make the request here. Like, I can't. Yeah, without the applicant here making that request, it's difficult for me to, I mean, I trust you explicitly, but. Could you vote conditionally on it if the applicant conveyed to me that he was in agreement with that? Can't we just say on a mutually agreed upon date no later than October 1st? The point is, though, we don't know for sure what the applicant's pleasure is. Yeah, that's my only problem in doing this tonight. He's not here, and we don't have a formal request from him for us to do that. He actually said that he was going to transfer on the first of the month. In a letter. Yeah, he made a mistake on the application, and I'm just reading this letter now, and it says, please change my application to reflect the fact I'll be running my cab through Luxor Cab. Please advise if there is a problem. I'm hoping to transfer on the first of the month. So we do have affirmation from him. I was meaning that I asked Mr. Hybels to come and make that request of you, because I didn't want to just approve something. I didn't realize that this was on our desk tonight. So this, to me, is legitimate. This is a letter from the applicant himself wanting it to be in effect on October 1st. So I don't see any problem with this in front of us. Okay, anyone else wants to public comment? It's about 11.53, where I personally know the driver who was hired by this medallion owner before. That driver worked for six, seven months, or whatever number of months, I don't remember. And then the original driver on that medallion, he went to China, as I heard. He came back. When he came back, this new medallion driver on this one was fired right away with some accusation on him. And that driver who went to China and came back, he was fired right away. So I don't know what happened to that driver. Okay, thank you. 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 Thank you.
He's the one right now driving, so it's still a two-shift car. Whereas the documents say it's going to be one shift. There's no agreement with town taxi in this one. There are a couple of other things to see, but I think it is a two-shift car. It's not one shift. So we have to ask the gentleman, the, the Chinese driver which came back, is he going to drive also this together with the medallion owner or not? Commissioners, uh, just want to make comments on uh, D uh, items D one, two, and three, um, and uh, this is a, a situation where I, I happen to know that uh, all three of these drivers, uh, long-time drivers at Yellow Cab, um, uh, Mr. Lee has been, actually been a ramp medallion driver for I think seven years, and uh, so this is finally switching from a ramp to a, a regular medallion. The other two are long-term drivers that are finally up for the medallion. I just want to vouch for them. Uh, uh, for their, their hard work and their uh, dedication to driving taxi here in San Francisco. I'm glad to see that they're up for their medallion. Thank you. Thank you. In regards to the C1, uh, I wasn't here in the last meeting, and after talking to Stephen, uh, need to use the microphone. He, he completely misread and misunderstood the, the wording of an application. He never meant to say that he will not sign a contract with the company. As a matter of fact, the contract is signed and is submitted to the taxi commission. It's on record. Uh, number two, as of right now, Stephen is a single shifter. There is no drivers uh, on his cab yet, but uh, we are fully insured and bona fide, so when he will need an assistance, he will get this assistance from us to fulfill his shift. Thanks. Uh, could you could you wait there? Yes. Just to the executive director. So all the paperwork that we were questioning before is all now in order? No, it's not. You'll hear about that in okay. a moment. Okay. All right. Okay. Anyone else? I have a question. How could some driver, uh, the medallion owner, could fire somebody right away? Isn't it? Uh, the, do you think is it appropriate uh, when they get their other driver? They should give somebody time limit. Hey, find another job, or they should talk to the driver. But they should not just fire on the spot. This is this is rude. Thanks. Please discuss about this problem. Thank you. Anyone else? My name is Stephen Tan. I'm the permit uh, holder of Elan. You know, sir, I think we're going to sever this oh, item because I can't participate in this item. Okay. So okay. we'll right. we'll you just stay right there. And uh, is there anyone else who would like to public comment, just in general? Okay, seeing none, public comment is closed. Um, I'm going to take items A and B. Those are items that don't have any recusals. Is there a motion? A motion to approve. Is there a second? second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? That passes. Uh, Vice President Breslin, if you could do C1. Um, no, we, we can we just approve all the others and then go to C1? C1 is the discussion. I mean, can we do D? I'm fine with that. If you'd like to go to, uh, we'll go to C2. Commissioner Benjamin has to recuse on this. So these are two color scheme changes. There, is there a motion? Motion to approve. Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes. You can do section D now. And then D, items number one, two, and three. Motion to approve. Excuse me. We have to take, we have to do the wave. 
waiving the prior requirement? Yes, thank you very much. Yes, we do. Do I have a motion to waive the noticing requirement for D-1? Motion to waive the notice. I mean D-3 for D-3. Motion to waive the notice. I second. All right, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Then motion to approve items number D-1, 2, and 3 for granting a taxicab or ramp taxicab medallion holder permit. Motion. Second. Wait, wait. Did we get a motion? Yes. Okay, motion. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Congratulations to those drivers, Ray Delgado, Alan Lee, and John Seibel. Congratulations. Vice President Breslin, C-1. Okay. Now the tough one. Okay. At our last meeting, we held this over. We continued it. We wanted the applicant here, and we also wanted to double-check the intent about leasing the taxicab. So I'm going to start, I believe, with our executive director giving us a little background and bringing us up to date. Yes. When I first started with the commission, it was October 24, 2006. A number of documents were given to me and started coming across my desk, and one of those documents concerned a phone message from an attorney asking if we could seize a medallion and sell it and get the proceeds or if the attorney could or any number of things. And we informed him that, no, we could not do that, that if he had a judgment against someone, he needed to, you know, get the sheriff to levy and do what the sheriff does when he has a judgment in his possession and that the medallions are public property, et cetera. This attorney was persistent and continued to call. A series of messages came across my desk for many months, and I put them aside because I just figured it was a dispute between the parties and, you know, we get a lot of phone calls from attorneys trying to get us involved in things, and, you know, we don't get involved unless we're allowed to do so. When Steve and Tam's name came up on the agenda, I looked in the file, in his file, to see if I had anything, documents, any problems in his file, as is my custom at this point after working at the commission now for two years. And I found that, in fact, it was Mr. Tam that had been the subject of these judgments. And, in fact, I have reviewed the documents and have received a complete set from the attorney, and I find that Mr. Tam has had a judgment entered against him by the county of Alameda, and that amount total owed is now $9,832.15. This is public documents, so I can share it with you. Now, you may think, oh, that's nice, Jordana, but why are you sharing that with us? Well, the reason I'm sharing it with you is because of provision in Municipal Police Code Section 1090, which authorizes my office to initiate proceedings of suspension or revocation if there is an unpaid judgment for unlawful or negligent operation of a medallion. And in this case, what the judgment has been issued for is the fact that Mr. Tam has dealt illegally and unlawfully, in the eyes of the court, with the drivers that were driving under him 
and is alleged under the facts of these cases to have defrauded these drivers with his medallion, using the medallion as the instrumentality of this fraud. And under those circumstances and faced with this evidence, I have no choice but to initiate suspension or revocation proceedings against Mr. Tan. So it is very fortunate indeed that Mr. Tan applied for a color scheme change and brought this fact to our attention. Now back to the issue of the color scheme change, which was the reason Mr. Tan is here this evening. With regards to that, my office is very concerned about the credibility of the statements that Mr. Tan has made with regards to how his medallion is in fact being leased. We are not at all convinced that Mr. Tan is in fact operating the medallion as a single shift, as he alleges in these documents. In fact, we believe that Mr. Tan has other drivers working for him and that he may in fact be treating them in the same manner that he has treated these others, for which a judgment has been entered. So, bearing those facts in mind, Mr. Tan is now here to answer questions to the Commission, a public body, where it is hoped he will be truthful about the true facts and nature of the method in which he is operating his medallion. All right. Yes, Mr. Tan. No, I'm new at doing this one, City Attorney Owen. So, can I give some latitude for Mr. Tan to state his case, number of minutes, so on? Hello? If he's responding to questions. Okay, well, I would like to have him then let me know what his intent is with this medallion and respond to any of the allegations that were posed here. Okay, I'm going to start with a judgment issue about from the old drivers in the case in 1906, 2-3 years ago. What happened to the driver? He doesn't have a lease with me. He's just a gate and gas. Could I ask you to speak more directly into the microphone? Okay. Somehow, the bottom line, at the end of the day, he quit or he claimed that I fired him. So, he filed in a small claim court that he lost daily income of $300 a day. $300 a day. So, as a driver, how do you come into $300 a day? Because he claimed that took him like 20 days to find a new job. So, $300 a day, well, give it like $15,000, $6,000, $7,000 a month he claimed that he lost. So, we went to the court to figure out how this figure that he lost $300 a day. Can I ask what your relationship was? Did he sign a contract with you? No, no. He's just like, he lived a few blocks away from my house. So, in the beginning, he needed a job and we were working in the aero cab at the time that he said he paid a tip, this dispatcher, like $700 a month to get a cab, to lease their cab. So, he said he can save $700 a month by driving for me. So, I said, great. So, I helped him out, do him a lot of favors and blah, 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 blah. So, you had a, I just want to clarify. No, no, no. You had a medallion. Correct. And you leased 
your taxi to this individual who had a driver's permit. Correct, on the evening, yes. So anyway, he went to the smoking court. He had an attorney, and since he's a smoking court, I don't have an attorney. Finally, the judge favored him and gave him a judgment of $7,000 or so. Okay, I did not operate the medallion illegally. So there is a backfire from him when he got fired. Okay, now the current driver, his name, Terry Cassis was mentioning about me firing him. Again, his name is Abdul Aziz Talib. So what happened on the night of the hearing? So it is Tuesday. So Monday he told me that I'm not going to drive for you when you go to town taxi because the dispatch and credit card is not that good as a yellow. I said, fine. Turn in the cab, pay the ticket gates, and do what you like. So that day on Monday, he turned in the cab. He said, goodbye. He didn't pay the gate. The gas tank was half empty, which I filled it up for like 30, 40 bucks. And he just got lost. I didn't fire him. Right now he's still hired. I told him that, well, my terms and yellow cab terms is the same. Every day you turn in your way bill, the gates, and fill up the tank, boom. If you turn in, don't come and expect to lease the cab the next day. Settle your bills every day, just like any cab company. And Mr. Tan, can I ask you a question? Because this is something that came up when you weren't present. Are you intending to single shift this taxi, or are you intending to continue to have others drive it as well? So after he left, I have no more driver. So I got stuck by myself. So I was waiting for the commission to approve the color change so that I can start again. Therefore, I'm planning to pull up the drivers from town taxi to group up all the drivers together and work the cab. But right now I'm stuck by myself. Do other commissioners have some questions? Can I ask a question? I just want to get this clear on the record. You have not had any drivers working for you on that cab since what time? Since the day before the hearing, the last hearing. September 8th? Right, right. So on September 8th, you fired your drivers and you've had no drivers working for you? Excuse me, I didn't fire him. He just went away. He went away without paying the gas. He went away. He went back to Yellow Cab to apply a job. I saw him at Yellow Cab the next day when I was checking, turning in my way bill and cashing the credit cards. Where is the cab when you are not driving it? The what? The cab. Where is it? Right now I'm keeping the cab. Where? My house. Okay. Do you understand it? I do understand. Okay. I'm going to continue. So when I... Please allow her to finish. You're going to continue parking at your house or you wanted to continue with your presentation? I'm going to put it in the new color scheme's yard when it's approved. It's supposed to be last two weeks ago, but now it's continued. So you were parking it at your house at night or during the day? When were you not operating it? No, I operate every day. I know, but what shifts were you driving it? The what? What shifts were you driving, day or night? Sometimes I drive day, sometimes I drive afternoon. Right now I don't have shift. I'm just filling up the empty tank. And the rest of the time it's sitting at your house? Yeah. Where do you live? 
I live in uh, Oakland, but I park it uh, <coughs> near my house. Could I also ask a question? So what is your relationship with Yellow Cab right now as far as um, where you keep your taxi? Okay. Before I keep my taxi in Yellow, yellow Cab, mm -hmm. okay, what happened? Well, this is going back to the old story now. From Yellow Cab, I had a problem. Somebody took my medallion without my permission and put in Yellow Cab and operate without my permission. So whether you call it illegal, operate my medallion, or stealing my medallion, and from cab company to cab company, I always have this problem. The last cab company is the drivers, ex-drivers come to the yard and store them cab and operate days when I'm away in the weekend. So yellow cab, I thought it's going to be different and come to the same thing again. Well, well, do you understand? Yes, I do when, understand. Wait, wait, when often when your medallion is with a color scheme, that other individuals other than yourself will be driving that medallion. Yeah, excuse me again? Normally, other individuals, when you're with a color scheme, unless you're single shifting, will be driving your medallion when you're not to keep it operating. No? Well, help me out here. No, I, I think what he's saying is that he was an affiliate. He just he just leased the colors. Okay. He wasn't having yellow operate the okay. cab. All right. All right. I didn't lease the into yellow. I just affiliation using the color scheme, pay for the radio. Okay. Any other questions? Okay, I think we're going to have some public comment and discussion. Or sure. do we have public comment on the whole consent calendar, may I ask you? Yes. All right, so no public comment. Um, we'll have some discussion. You can, you can allow public comment. Well, well actually, uh, Mr. Toronto, we don't. We had public comment on the whole. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, let me finish, please. We had public comment on the whole. However, at the advice of others, I am going to have public comment on this item as well. Thank you for your concern. Um, so if, could you um, step down for a sure. few moments and Thank we'll you, have public comment at this time. Um, One minute. Yeah, I think that's appropriate. <laughs> One minute. I just want to make a short formal statement that uh, everything what was said above is a complete news to me. So we as a company were not aware what was going on with Mr. Ten before with Yellow Cab. I met uh, Stephen Ten about three times and we discussed his future in this business. He told me that uh, he meant not to lease his medallion to an individual driver, but to drive it by himself. And when he'll get tired of it, he'll use it as a gas and gate operation. We have a sizable gas and gate operation in town taxi, and, we, and we're happy and capable to help him out any time he wants. So basically, that's my point on that topic. Can I ask a question, please, sure. before you go? So what you're saying, your understanding is if this taxi goes to town taxi, that um, it will be operated as a gas and gate if, for other drivers? If, if eventually Mr. Ted chooses that option. 
But coming in, it will be a single shift. Yes, as for now. As for now. So this remains open. Thank you. These were picked up yet. They should be picked up and handed out before they leave. Very briefly, I say this, is that I personally listened to Mr. Tan's comments, and the mere fact that he let somebody without a driver's license or without an A-card driver's cab, I think is a big problem. He didn't check the man, or two, Yellow didn't check him, so Yellow should be here as well. Even though it's a long-term lease, it's not clear to the public or people at large based on Mr. Tan's medallion. Excuse me. I'm going to give you back your time. But I did not hear anywhere about no A-card or no license. So where did you pick up that information? It's another item on the agenda. Mr. Tan just spoke about it. It wasn't clear whether it was a license or an A-card, and nobody interrupted him, let alone you. No. I'm looking at my fellow commissioners. Nobody heard that. So I just want to – Are you saying that's incorrect, that the guy had an A-card and a driver's license? That's Martin Jacobs' case, and that's agenda item four. This is not concerning that. No. It's not? No. No. All right, because that's what I thought he said. All right, I just wanted to correct that because that's – Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right, then I'll just make sure that you get these copies handed to you so you can read them. Thank you. Good evening, commissioners. I will talk about what he did say. He did say that he had an attorney at the small claims court. Small claims courts do not allow attorneys at all. You can have an attorney represent you beforehand, but you cannot have an attorney actually speak on your behalf. Two, he just incriminated himself by saying that his car has been parked at his house when there's plenty of room at Yellow Cab or the alternative sites. So he had no approval for parking his car there. Three, his workers' compensation policy expires on the 12th of October. You want to make sure there actually is a policy in place and that he actually renews it because he's already said he's going to have other drivers on the vehicle. And three, four, you go down the list. His cab has been at more companies than underwear I own. Okay? I'm being a little facetious here. I hope not. No, I hope not. Anyway. No, just kidding. Just kidding. But the point is to make is that I appreciate you actually continue this to do more further investigation. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, commissioners. It is true that this gentleman, when he gave this cab to Abdul Aziz, Abdul Aziz used to put the, that guy, Talabi, he used to put the money in the cab, the gate, and then this guy will take over the money from that. When the Chinese guy came back, then he used to take the money and hand over to him. And that cab, with my eyes, three days ago, under yellow banner, was driving on California Street. It's a lie by town taxi manager also that that cab was not driving. It's single shift. No, it's not single. Right now, there's another person who's driving that cab. So this is a total lie that that cab is not driving by under another driver. There is a driver who was collecting that money from the day Abdul Aziz was fired, and that driver was just signed three days ago at Fairmont Hotel. Thank you. Any other speakers? 
Final speaker, yes? Okay, thank you. Public comment is closed. Commissioners? All right, let me just preface. What, what we have before us, I believe, are two separate issues. One is whether or not to grant a color scheme change, and we have not got our formula together for that. We have been trying to put that together. So one is the color scheme change, and the other, whether or not there's going to be an investigation into this individual, which perhaps our executive director will uh, comment on. Yeah, there already is. I mean, I'm going to file a complaint. I, I'm faced with this. this. This is just a use of a medallion, which is just outrageous, that, that it would be used, as a court has already found, to defraud drivers and take advantage of them. That's outrageous. You should be ashamed of yourself. Really. Um, I'm sorry. Going a little too far. I'm sorry. Okay. I have to say that. So my recommendation here tonight is pending the investigation that we continue this item because I, I'm not for one to, to um, call call something as guilty uh, until it is, and I would like to know the outcome of the investigation. But I defer to my fellow commissioners. Well, as I understand it, that investigation is going to involve a judgment that was levied against him, which he has not paid? Yeah, it's already been entered by the court. Okay. So. But what is your intention about that judgment? If we might ask you please, a, a please question. Please come up to the microphone. Well, when I step into the city hall, I mean, in the city hall tonight, the, what do you call it, the, the processor served me that hearing. Well, I'm pretty sure he works with uh, this department or somebody who knows that I'm coming tonight. That's why he's waiting for me on the staircase. And I just received it before I step in. Is for the yes. Maybe you want to no, that's not the question. The, the question I have is, there was a judgment uh, ruled against you. Is that correct? In correct. And so I'm planning to appeal it. Okay. This time. And when was that judgment? Um. Well, he, just like I told you, he claimed me for three hundred dollars loss of income. No. It was uh, it was entered on February 15, 2006. So I think he's he's over for appeal. I'd have to check this code of civil procedure, but I can't recall from my days in law and motion. I can't recall what the time for appeal is, but with it, with interest, it's now run up to nine thousand eight hundred thirty-two dollars and fifteen cents. Now, what is this? Um, thank you. Um, what is the status of the medallion? He he's operating it. You know, he, it's not suspended or anything. You know, this right. isn't a case where so, we do it. So this medallion can continue to operate at yellow or be transferred to town taxi. He is, it's not being suspended by any action of the taxi commission, correct? Not yet. My investigation doesn't reveal facts that would give me cause to ask for a summary suspension or rather to issue one uh, right now. That's but I think he's, uh, by staying at yellow, he is now no longer hiring drivers. So it's only sh single shifting while he's at yellow, whereas I, I believe his intention is to go to uh, the other company and there, thereby start hiring drivers then. That's why he said he uh, has not taken on any new drivers. Is that correct? 
Actually, I'm a little confused. Will he be doing the hiring of the drivers, or will Town Taxi be holding that medallion for use for a pool of drivers? He hasn't said that. I think he operates the cab himself. Well, I would like to, not putting him on the spot, but I'd like to hear from someone from Yellow Cab about how this medallion would be operated if it stayed there. So it's single shift. Okay. You can rest. Thank you. Well, the argument always comes back to, do we have any rules regarding the idea of changing a color scheme? And we're back to square one again, and we don't. And so unless we have something that really prohibits us from letting him change a color scheme, it's not that big a thing for us to say that we don't. I mean, it's the same thing that we do every time this comes up, that we argue the essentials of the whole thing and come back to one square that says we haven't made the decision yet of why we will limit someone changing a color scheme, either for purposes of dispatch or what else, and we're here again. So I make a motion that we accept this color scheme change. Any second? I second it. Thank you. Yes, for discussion. The one question I have is, would us allowing this transfer hinder the investigation at all? No. Okay. So it would go on fine and you can still do everything you have to do? The medallion is either going to operate at Yellow or at Town Taxi, and if I'm correct, I don't think we can take action tonight to suspend it based on the information. I wasn't saying suspending it. What I was asking was if we allowed the transfer, would it hinder the investigation, not to suspend the medallion? Okay. No. Okay. All right, then. We have a motion and a second to approve the transfer. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Seeing yes, Susan? No? Okay. Seeing none, the transfer is complete, but I think you have some discussions coming up in the future. Okay. Back to you. Thank you. That concludes the consent calendar, so next item, number four. Yes, the next item is consideration of proposed procedures for commission disciplinary and qualification hearings. This is an update of, first of all, this is just an information item. It is not an action item. That's because the 10 days notice that's required for rules and procedural changes that the commission undertakes. So for that reason, it's listed for information. I can answer any questions about specifics of it, but basically, because, as you know, recently we've decided to start sending permit applicants to hearings before hearing officers due to the lengthy nature of those hearings and the numerous factual issues that are often involved. So we decided to, we have our first ones coming up, two of them on October 3rd, because we're trying to get them in as quickly as possible, you know, so there's no undue delay. And we needed some procedures for those. So that's the first set. And then second set is hearing procedures for hearing, I'm sorry, yeah, procedures for review of hearing officer decisions. And 
that should actually say recommendations at the top so you know we're going to be i actually haven't even had time to discuss these proposals with city attorney owen due to the fact again that i was out of out of town and we do have that 10 days period so what i'll likely do for the next hearing is i'll just i'll do these same ones with lines through so you can see where we if we typo or something like that you know or any changes that are recommended and then you can see and then make your decisions and then the final one is commission hearing procedures for disciplinary cases these are cases the difference between hearing officer decisions or rather recommendations and just procedures for disciplinary cases is that there are some times when you hear disciplinary cases right here before you and it skips the hearing officer level and there's a variety of circumstances where that happens mostly due to the calendar and my intention to get everyone in as quickly as possible and avail them of the right to a quote-unquote speedy trial if you will there are other cases obviously as you see tonight where the hearing officer makes a recommendation so they each call for their own set of procedures i should have probably also done a set of procedures for summary suspensions recently and one will come before you later on we have issued as you know the police department and myself my office have issued numerous summary suspensions for a variety of reasons these issues these are issued pursuant to the authority of municipal police code section 1090c which simply states that someone shall be put on summary suspension for reasons concerning public health and safety pending a hearing before the commission now again in an attempt to give people as much due process as possible i've been sending them to the hearing officer if that's the next calendar date available so that there's no undue delay keeping a medallion off the street etc but under the code the hearing officer's decision is merely a recommendation to you so what's been happening is that the hearing officer has been making quote-unquote recommendations and i've been accepting them because again what's the point of sending the person so quickly to the hearing officer if then they're going to have to wait for the next commission agenda anyways so what i would like to do from now on is just send all the summary suspensions directly to the commission because these are more serious cases they're cases where something has to be done immediately to gain control over a situation or because a person presents a danger to themselves or others and for those reasons we we've been issuing them sometimes summary suspensions are issued because we have no idea who's operating a cab and we need to gain control of that issue but sending them to the hearing officer when her decisions are merely recommendations it just doesn't seem proper and so i don't want to do that anymore so what i'll probably do definitely in advance of the 10 days is do another set of procedures for the summary suspensions so that it's clear and everyone knows exactly what to expect when when a summary suspension takes place you know may i may i ask to the chair yes i thought summary suspensions were coming to us that when a permit was suspended for a brief amount of time it came directly to us i thought that was going on already it is but i've been doing them now because i have the hearing officer every friday if someone's suspended on like a friday then i can get them in if they're in agreement i can get them in on the next friday if i've got the complaint done or sfpd ron writes the complaints sometimes we work together i mean we have we just try to get the people in as quickly as possible to give them as much due process as possible so if it's like you know we're not going to have a hearing for a couple weeks we want to get that person in but again her decisions are merely recommendations and it's just not i agree i don't think we should even send anything to a hearing officer until we hear it 
as far as summary suspensions are concerned. Summary suspensions or anything else. Yeah. So I'll do another set of procedures for for summary suspensions so that you have those and you know what what to expect for those. Okay. I have a question. Is there just one page application in application? Just one page or several pages or I would just like yeah I'd like to see the copy of the application because it could probably you know articulate a lot of the things that later that we don't have to be caught up with. So that that might make your job easier if you have very clear application. I'm sure it does now but I was kind of wondering that if you could maybe you know if we could see the copy of the application itself. I don't know if there's only one sheet of application or there's like different kind of applications afterwards the original. Are you referring to the medallion application? In this yeah. Those are always included in the packet so like you know like whenever a person gets a medallion for example they the application should be in the packet the person's application but I can certainly bring a blank one to you. Maybe like you can bring whole packet or something so that it gives like kind of a picture of like what what we could do. We'll bring a sample of a person who's already been granted from the past and but you know for example like in here consent item D contains like Mr. Delgado's application so you just look there you know there's quite a lot of evidence I mean there's way bills you know there's all kinds of things so if there's factual disputes that's the ones we're sending to the hearing officer on applicants. I actually agree with the Commissioner of just taking another look at the application because if we're going to say in the procedures that no application is received until complete then I think we ought to review the application and just make sure that everything's relevant because we've talked over and over again about a couple of things reasons things like that so maybe if there's a review yeah I think that's a good idea. Yeah so if we're not going to make any kind of decision tonight I mean I would like to see the whole package that includes the application it doesn't have to be the one somebody submitted already I just want to look at the vocabularies and certain sentences and whatever the application can become very important sometimes and makes the work very easy easier than so so kind of check me it off. So that that is there is one in here for your sample for your review right now that you can look at. Okay. As far as it being complete what makes it complete is taking the test and you know the way bill submission the way bills etc etc we have a whole checklist. Right. And if you would like to see that checklist I can definitely. Yeah. Packet that it has everything including. Sure. That will give a whole picture of. Yeah. Maybe you can give a sample copy of all the different documents that people fill out along with the checklist. In the meantime though if anyone's going to propose any changes or whatever I would like to keep our same procedures in place so that we don't hold up anybody you know. Absolutely. And for our next meeting when this is heard again as you reference you will have strike throughs and those kind of things what what changes we're making to the existing procedures that type of thing. Yeah. There was only one document before. So I'll just attach a copy. Yeah attach a copy of the and as well as 
And then you're going to do the uh, summary suspension procedures in yes. addition. Yeah, it might be related with application and the procedures. Okay. I, I have a couple yes. of comments. Um, if I could just, since you're going to be bringing this back to us, um, if I could just make a few comments. Um, people may or may not agree with <laughs> um, In Section 4, where it says that there would be um, a determination of issues described above before a hearing officer no later than 120 calendar days. Uh, that's four months. I think that's really too long. Oftentimes it takes yeah. quite a long time to get documentation from other departments or from the companies themselves. Uh, additionally, um, occasionally, uh, people are out of the country, they're out of town. Um, there's been all kinds of issues. Believe me, um, you know, the 120 days, um, technically, uh, in the past, there's been no limit, and people have been continued for months and months and months over the course of time that this commission's existed. So this is actually an additional right that these these applicants would be obtaining. This is actually a limitation. No, I'd like to truncate it. That, that's my comment. I think uh, four months is off. It's very long. But what I'm telling you is that it's it's been years before, so this is right. actually... No, I know you're shortening it. I'm just recommending shortening it even more, which I said some people may or may not agree with me. <laughs> I'm just throwing this out. <laughs> it, just, it, just, it just seems to me that if people, when they apply for this, are told what they need, mm -hmm. it, should be, it should be there. It shouldn't have to be a big procedure... Yeah. gathering things to show that you did this or that, it should mm. be there. And in Section B of that same section, um, who is the quasi-judicial officer? Hello? I'm sorry, we have a situation in the audience. Um, <laughs> the quasi-judicial officer is, it, it could be the commission or the hearing officer. So the, the commission sits as a quasi-judicial officer in its entirety, and the hearing officer also sits as a quasi-judicial officer. Could we just officer. say either or? That would be good, you know, to just spell it out there. Um, then under the burden of proof, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier in this meeting, is I really want to focus on a system to have in place about the records, because if the burden of proof is with the applicant to prove the qualifications, which means the way bills, we have got to get going on a way of uh, uh, systemizing it, um, whether electronically they are sent to the commission office or to the MTA eventually, you know, office, um, so that the color schemes won't be keeping the way bills for somebody who has gone to three other color schemes since then. You know, so if we're putting a burden of proof in here, I really think we have to take that seriously and take a look at it. Now, the submissions. Um, I, I really empathize with everyone who has to read things, but I think to say things have to be double-spaced, and I think it's getting a little too detailed. I don't know. I'll, again, take comments from other commissioners, but um, uh, I think we're focusing on a detail that is not um, peculiar to the skill that, that re a person requires to have a medallion. It's in your current procedures, and this is what the mm -hmm. Board of Appeals also requires. So you're, this isn't a change from what you currently have. You have a 10-page double-spage requirement. Double but is this our opportunity to make it what we want? Yeah, I'm just okay. telling you what your current yeah. procedure is. Yeah. So, so if we want to make it what we want, I'm just throwing these things out. Um, and then let's see. Let's see. Ah, um, under the procedures for review of the hearing officer decisions, um, 
I, I'm not sure. It, it, it looks to me as though the director submits a recording of the hearing and any written materials to all of us, but that's not what actually occurs. I know you have a recording of the hearing, but it was just a little convoluted for me of what we actually do there. And I need to study that more. I'm just calling it to everyone's attention that we don't actually receive that each time. Let's see. And I think that's about, I mean, I do need to look it over a little more. I think, oh, there was one thing, and with all due respect to our President Gillespie, in the re-hearings, much of the issues are left to the discretion of the President of the Commission, and I would like to visit that to say it should probably be a vote of the Commission, you know, rather than up to an individual. What provisions are you referring to? I don't take it personally. No offense to you, Paul. No, I don't. Under the re-hearings on page two, under the Taxi Commission procedures for review of a hearing officer decisions, and under page two, under the section three re-hearings, item number four, item number nine, item number ten, you know, they're all at the discretion of the President, and there are others, too. And I'm just not so sure that it should always be at the discretion of the President of the Commission, especially if you have to be recused from certain things. Well, then it's up to you. No, I don't want it either. I think it should be the Commission. These seem like sort of procedural questions for the hearing. I don't know if those would, I mean, we can talk about this, but I'm not sure whether they would be appropriate for a vote of the Commission. Well, I just want to throw them out now since we're rehashing it for the next time so that people are aware of these different issues. And if it's something that's just procedural and doesn't mean anything, then I want to say that I mean. I mean, for instance, we still maintain that there has to be a vote of the Commission to re-hear the case. So most of the important decisions in a re-hearing are made by the Commission as a whole. I think it seems like some of the procedural stuff is what the President has the discretion to decide. And with all due respect, whether it was you or someone else. And that's all. That's all I have right now. Is there anyone else who would like to ask any questions or make any comments or additions? Okay. We'll go to public comment if there is any. Public comment on this for one minute. Thank you. On the applicant section, I think under 3A. Hang on, Carl. Which one are you? The first section? The first section. It's kind of funny the way the numbering and lettering goes on this. It says Taxi Commission hearing procedures for permanent applicant cases. Okay. Under 3, applicants deemed unqualified. At the very bottom of the page, C, lack of requisite driving experience. I really feel like the slam dunk kind of cases, like a lot of cases can be applicants who don't know about daily ma, and they're going to say, but I've been on the list. And I think those should go directly to the Commission. It saves money and it's more efficient. Maybe the contentious cases could be referred to the hearing officer. I think you can handle the non-contentious one in like two minutes and save money. Then on the next page, I think there's a typo under 6B. It says permit holder at the second to last sentence. It should say applicant. I agree with Patricia's comments about the burden of proof. 
have an extra 20 seconds or so. Yeah. That the until such time that and Mark Gruberg's pointed this out correctly as well, until such time that the there's a carbon copy or even a really secure electronic system for way bills, the drivers have to turn their way bills in. They are left without a copy. And then some people, they can't prove they drove if they don't have a copy. So there needs to be a policy. And the only other comment I have in the next section under hearing officer decision under 2-3 is where the two-thirds majority requires five votes. I could actually see a scenario where you have a quorum here with four people and it's mathematically impossible to get five votes. So I think that should be a lesser standard. Thank you. Thank you. Just one minute, but we sort of interrupted Carl, so we gave him some extra time there. I didn't have a chance to see the procedure, the changes, but I just want to let you know, guys, if you are going to change again the game in this commission and just without any due process and without any hearing like we had in the past, just make decisions and revoke medallions from the medallion holders that for some reason that cab drivers or somebody unlawfully operating the cab, I think this is going to be absolute outrage because at least it's a public safety issue or criminal act situation, then it's understandable. But if you're going to just limit people from due process because of based on your opinion, I don't think it's the right way to do it. So I want you to pay attention on that. And again, I didn't have a chance to see. Maybe there is no such dangerous stuff going on, but I want to take a look at it. Commissioners, you have a problem with the burden of proof on the way bills because if the driver is not in control of the way bill when it gets stamped, how can he prove that he ever drove, period? I have a problem right now with American Cab for 2004. They threw out all my way bills. I have a problem with Big Dog 2005. Even though I'm not going to need them for my medallion, they're refusing to turn over the way bills to me or return them over, even let me view them because I don't have them in my possession. I brought up to you probably last year to this commission that the way bill should be in triplicate or the driver should be allowed to keep a copy of the same way bill that he drives on so the burden of proof would be with him as well and be in duplicate with the cab company and also on deposit with the commission. That's never been facilitated or talked about. The driver cannot prove that he drove unless he has a copy of a way bill in his possession. And if he turns it over to a cab company and it goes out of business or like American who just flaunts the law, it's not his problem. It's their problem and your problem. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening again. Mark Ruberg. I think you might want to consider including somewhere in these rules an ADA review provision, which I think this has come up in a couple of instances recently. I think it would be far too burdensome to have an ADA procedure that would allow every medallion applicant to come in every year with some kind of ADA 
it just wouldn't work with close to 4,000 people on a list and people remaining on that list for 10, 15 years or more. But if at the time the person comes to the commission, they do not have enough hours or enough shifts, and at that point, if they claim that the reason they don't was because of some condition, that there should be some sort of review procedure to determine that. Thank you. Anyone else? Good evening, Tariq Mahmood. I don't know. I didn't see exactly all the clauses and everything yet, so I'll speak later on on this issue too. But as I got to the way bill of the drivers, so far we are putting the burden of proof on companies and then say, company, throw it away. Some driver comes in and give me my medallion like that. Why don't we do this way, that when driver leaves one company, he should take copies from that company before he gets to another company. And he should be responsible to holding that way bill copies. If he don't, or if the company don't give him that way bills, you can find the company for $1,000 right away. But this should be done like within a limit, 30 days after leaving one job to another company. So he should carry his burden with him. And then he has to prove where is his way bill. Not the company collapsed and after that he comes. Thank you. Good evening, sir. Commissioners, about the way bills, as far as I understand, the way bills is only one part of the evidence. If you have a gas receipt, if you have a airport receipt, something, it can be proven. But this commissioner says holding something is not completely 100% the evidence, and that's too much created problem of mostly drivers. And that's not fair to some drivers. Based on that, based on the law ruling, we have to make some kind of recommendations to prove with somewhere like airports, bank receipts, gas receipts, something. Now he gets holding the way bills. On those way bills, sir, even was not followed out correctly, they don't give him a credit. Are we in the University of UCSF? Don't pass the test? No way. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, seeing none, public comment is closed. So I guess we don't need, is there anything else that you need from us before we go forward with this? No. Okay. And, I mean, I would say that with respect to what Commissioner Breslin raised, I would essentially leave things as they were, and if you want to make recommendations for changes at a future date, we could do that when we consider it for adoption as far as some of the things like the last couple issues you raised on this. There was the error that Carl pointed out, I think, is legitimate. That should be a permanent applicant. Definitely. And the numbering. There's a couple things. Yeah. As far as the burden of proof, that's the standard for all permits. Yeah. I mean, if you apply for a masquerade ball permit, it's not the city's burden to show that you shouldn't get that. It's your burden to show that you should. Right. That's a basic legal principle. Thank you for enumerating that. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Council. 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 Thank you, Council
Next item. Okay, the next item is uh, Taxi Commission versus Martin Jacob. Consideration of summary suspension of medallion 479 Martin Jacob for violations of rules 4A1 and 4A3 for allowing an unpermitted driver to operate his medallion vehicle. Now, um, I gave you a brief memorandum on this, and I've, I have Sergeant Reynolds here to present on this issue, a police report issued as well, um, 08069-7417. What happened here is that um, uh, there was an incident that occurred on July 3rd, 2008. Um, that day, the cab was being operated by an individual with no A card, and um, the medallion was seized and the car was towed when the officer found that operation. Um, Sergeant Reynolds was on vacation during that time, and the officer that uh, received the police report um, didn't review it, apparently, and just gave the medallion back and didn't didn't tell certainly didn't tell my office. I had no idea that it even happened until Sergeant Reynolds returned. Um, and I would also note that on July 7th, uh, which was four days after the incident, um, the individual went and paid for the A-card at the treasurer's office, uh, apparently, without going to taxi school. So I'm trying to find out about that as well. Um, but uh, in the meantime, I have Sergeant Reynolds here, and he'll present the rest of the case. Okay. Is, is uh, Mr. Jacob here tonight? Okay. And is there someone, are you just on your own, or is there someone representing you also? Okay. Good evening. Um, this incident occurred on 7308 at about 11.20 in the evening. It was one of those July evenings where it was a heavy fog in the Richmond district. The roads were extremely wet. A black and white police unit uh, saw um, black and white 7479 speeding down Gary headed towards the beach at 40 miles an hour. At that time, the speed should have been 20 for conditions. The officer paced the vehicle for several blocks, got a radar lock, and then made a traffic stop. When he approached the driver, the driver had no badge, had no company ID, had no waybills, um, had an expired A card, and started to lie to the officer about all these events. He stated that the taxi, commission, taxi detail had given him an extension and that he had just started working his shift, and that's why he had no waybills. Officer Fong is an excellent officer and was able finally to get him to tell the truth that he had been working all night and that he had made numerous runs, at least seven. The officer then pulled the driver out of the cab, and that was Mr. Lobkanoff, and called Black and White Checkered to ask if they knew who was operating 479. Dimitri took the call, the dispatch, said that he had never heard of this individual and had no idea why this person was driving this cab. The officer then seized the medallion, left the vehicle at the scene, and had Black and White Checkered come and pick up the vehicle. The, officer, the individual was then taken into custody and cited at the station. The following morning, the manager at Black and White Checker called and demanded to know why he wasn't getting his medallion back. The officer explained all the situations. It ended up into an argument. And uh, basically, there was a demand that it would be returned along with the police report. Ultimately, it was supposed to be an issue, a complaint to this 
tribunal to try to figure out why this medallion was taken. When I started looking into this, this was the first of many that I started asking questions to the drivers, to the color schemes, and to the medallion holders, who is responsible? Who is responsible for this person to turn in a waybill? Who is responsible for this person to shift change? Who is responsible to make sure that they only work 10 hours in the evening? This company said that they weren't responsible. The broker said he wasn't responsible. So I went back to the rules, and what the rules basically say is the medallion holder. So after looking into this, I had a discussion with the medallion holder. He had no idea what was occurring with this event, why the person wasn't turning in waybills, why the person wasn't shift changing, and had no knowledge and said that really it wasn't his responsibility. So that's why the medallion was seized, because we do not want people out there on the street that are unlicensed, people that are driving recklessly, and putting the safety of the community at risk. So therefore, I seized the medallion, brought him up on charges, and I have brought it to this tribunal now for you to decide how to handle this procedure. Are you asking us tonight whether or not you want us to keep the summary suspension in place or to lift it, or is there a case being brought in this situation? And what we're deciding tonight is whether or not to lift or maintain the summary suspension pending the outcome of the case? Well, the case is completed, and basically the decision that these cases that we've been bringing to you is there is no bail schedule. I do not have any concrete rules. If somebody is allowing an unlicensed driver, it doesn't say that then we will suspend the medallion for five days, five weeks, five months. So I guess we've been doing it on a case-by-case independent, and it would not be right for the taxi detail to make the arrest and then also give out the punishment. I believe that that is your responsibility as a panel. I am unsure. Actually, there will be a complaint brought. The summary suspension is just what's before you tonight. Okay. And so this occurred on July 3rd, so this medallion has been suspended since July 3rd? That is correct. It went back to Officer Colstead gave it back. Oh, that is correct. That is correct. And then it was seized at a later date. I'm sorry. Okay, so I'm trying to determine how long it's been off the street. The incident happened on July 3rd. It was given back. When was it re-upped? It was suspended on the 5th of September, I believe. Isn't that right? You have the document that I provided you with this evening. It would be on that document. But the individual refused to accept the suspension, right? Isn't that right, Sergeant Reynolds? I don't recall that on this particular case. Okay. I mean, do we not have the medallion in custody at this point? We do, but the service of it I'm talking about, the service of the paper. Usually when people are summarily suspended, they come down to the taxi detail or the commission office to receive it, and it's my recollection that in this case that individual refused to come down and accept service in September. No? Okay. No, I don't recall that at all. I'm relying on what he said. I'm not trying to misstate your position, sir. I'm just relying on what was told to me. So we have a lot of summary suspensions, so I apologize if I misspoke. No, he did, in fact, come down to the detail and we did discuss the issue. I just want to clarify that. 
So, excuse me, I think I missed the time span. The time span that this was suspended was from what date to what date? Wait, wait, no, please, please. I'm sorry. I know you're helping, but. Yeah. The medallion was seized and towed because of the arrest on July 3rd. And then on July 7th, apparently something happened at Taxi Detail. Sergeant Reynolds was out of town. I was not informed of it. On that day, the medallion was returned, as well as Mr. Lobkanoff got his A card that day on July 7th. Okay. That's what I was just missing here. All right. So the medallion has been operating. Yeah. And then it was. Until September 5th? 5th. Until September 5th. And then when I discovered what happened, I went back and re-seized it because it should not have been given back in the first place. So now you're telling me that from September 5th to date, that medallion has been off the street? That is correct. Okay. My question then, and I don't know who's the best to answer it. Mr. Jacob, I'm sorry, not Mr. Jacob, Mr. Lobkanoff was the driver who was the one operating illegally. How did he get in control of the taxi? That's just a question. Was it through the color scheme, through the medallion holder? I just want to know what the change is. These are the questions that when I get one of these situations, everybody passes the buck. The color scheme says it's not my responsibility. I get paid X amount of dollars to simply let them use my color scheme. You've got to talk to the broker. The broker says it's not my responsibility. Let me ask it a different way. This was not a gas and gate medallion? Yes, it was. Well, if it's a gas and gate medallion, doesn't the color scheme have some responsibility there? As I said, when we called this in, they didn't even know who the driver was in the vehicle. Now, who made that switch and who authorized this person to drive is still unknown to this day. This is one of the problems we have. I mean, we summarily suspend the medallion and any drivers, any permit holders who fall under our jurisdiction when this occurs. But in the case of a company being responsible, what if this has happened at Yellow? Do we issue a summary suspension against Yellow Cab and freeze all Yellow Cab medallions in the city? I mean, this is a major deficiency in the regulatory power of this commission to control the aspects of the industry that result in unlicensed people. I wasn't even suggesting something that extreme. What I'm trying to take a look at is if the medallion holder to this date is not the person who was known to have allowed that individual to drive the taxi, we don't know is what I'm hearing, then I would say this medallion needs to operate. And there are other drivers perhaps counting on this. And I would suspend the newly acquired A card that the driver got because he is the one who was operating illegally. And that's just my opinion on this. But I want to hear from the others. Just a question. You said a dirty word. Broker. I didn't say broker. He said broker. I said broker. I said broker because at first face value, the color scheme did not know who this person was. So is this a three, four layer? Is this a broker? These are the questions we can't answer because this individual does not have a lease with the taxi detail or taxi commission spelling out who is actually operating the vehicle. They will not 
when we bring them into the office to talk to them, most of them will not give this information. I cannot force this information out of them. And we really don't know who's operating these vehicles. It's a guess. And that's the problem that we're having is who's really responsible. Who was on the roster for this vehicle on this date? At Black and White Checker, the roster for this vehicle, who was on it? We'd have to look. We would have to look. Those documents were not. That will be in the complaint. I mean, this is just, you know. Because it's not, I mean, we do have the rules in place to know who's supposed to be driving these vehicles, and that's the requirement of the color scheme to keep a roster on the vehicle. So that is a requirement that if the color scheme doesn't know who was driving the vehicle, then I'm sure we're going to hear about that in a few minutes during public comment. But, you know, so I would say that there is a law in place that has a requirement on the color schemes to know who's driving their vehicles at all time and to keep that record. Commissioner Neto? Yeah, it's just that was the question asked, was this operated as an affiliate or was this operated by the color scheme, this medallion? According to Dimitri, they had no idea who this person was the night of the event and that he did then, he was not even on their payroll. So if, now I'm making an assumption here, but if the color scheme doesn't know, I would say that this is probably an affiliate situation, whereas the medallion holder turned it over, got the colors from the color scheme, turned it over to a broker, and the broker handled the drivers. So ultimately, I believe the medallion holder is responsible on this one. That's the way I feel about this. Whenever you start dealing with he knows what he was doing, he knows who he was handing it over to, if the color scheme doesn't know anything about it, the medallion holder knew what he was doing. Thank you. Are there any other questions before we go to public comment and hopefully some explanations? Did you have anything to add, Sergeant? No, I didn't. One of the reasons why I like this form is that the medallion holder then can come and explain to you, if he wants, how he's been handling and being responsible for his own medallion, because sometimes it clears up what they won't give me when we're on a one-at-one in the unit. When I bring them down to the taxi detail, they have the right to walk out the door. They have a right not to answer my questions. I can't force that out of them, whereas when they're before you, they do have to answer some of your questions. Okay. We're going to go to public comment now. Is both the medallion holder and the color scheme representative here tonight? I see that they are. Okay. Go ahead. Just limit it to one minute, but we may have questions. Okay. Please, go ahead. I'll be happy to clarify quite a few things, and I would also be happy if the commission did not place any judgment before they heard what I had to say. Thank you. And I'm also – I also think that what the tax commission is doing here tonight is beneficial to everyone. I'm the owner of that medallion. If Genny, the person who was in question who was driving that cab that night, has been working for me for approximately a year and a half. He had an A card last year that was valid. He showed me an A card this year. 
but I was not aware that he was showing me last year's A card. They basically look the same. If you compare the A cards from this year to the A cards from last year, they look the same. The only thing that's different is the dates. No one made me aware that his A card had expired because he had not paid his dues. I'm going to let you finish. Go ahead. I didn't hear anything from the tax commission. This may have been due to the fact that I changed my color scheme in March from Bay Cab over to black and white checker. They may have notified Bay. I was now a checker, and I was not notified that Evgeny's current A card was not valid. Another misunderstanding here is that Evgeny was not driving with an A card. He did have an A card. It was just last year's A card. For the record, from what I understand, all charges against the driver were dropped by the judge, and that's important for everybody to know, and that Evgeny apparently paid his dues and got this year's A card. Also, I'd like to put things into perspective here. This incident took place on July 3rd. On July 7th, I, Evgeny the driver, and also Derek here from Checker Cab, we went to see Officer Kolstad regarding getting this medallion back, and Officer Kolstad basically explained to us what the situation was and wanted to make us aware of what was going on because, yes, these are egregious violations, and we were not aware of them. Once we became aware, we basically told her we would take action and make sure that this sort of thing did not happen again. She did give us our medallion back. She gave me the medallion back. I got a call from Sergeant Reynolds on September 4th, in which case he asked me to bring in my medallion. He wanted to suspend it. He explained that he was not aware of the case because it had been sitting on his desk and he was on vacation. He said the violations were so egregious that he simply could not overlook them. We made a meeting the following day between 9 and 10 o'clock. I showed up at 10 o'clock. We had a nice discussion. Again, Officer Reynolds, again, made it very, very clear to me that this was a serious matter and that this could not go on, and I am aware of that. The medallion has been suspended since September 5th. Since that time, to make things very clear for everybody, what I have done is I've written up a lease agreement on a per-shift basis with each of my drivers. I've had them sign it along with an outline of exactly what is expected of them, what they are supposed to do, and if they don't do this, that they will have no further use of my medallion. I'll just read it very briefly. It's hereby agreed that the driver starts and ends each shift of black and white checker, et cetera, et cetera. The driver agrees to complete a proper way bill and submit it with black and white checker. The driver agrees to submit photocopies of a valid driver's license and an A card to permit holder Martin Jacob, and the driver agrees to abide by all rules and regulations and requirements of San Francisco Taxi Commission, and if any of the violations above stated rules will be subject to driver termination of any future medallion of 0479. I have the current A card and the current driver's license of all of my drivers, 
And I would like to submit this as evidence to the commissioners if they would like to see it. In the future, this will not go on. And I apologize to the commission about this unfortunate event. I was not aware that Evgeny, Evgeny is his first name, I was not aware that Evgeny was driving with, was not driving with the current A-card. He had no history of, he had no bad driving record. Sir, how do you explain the fact that when the police contacted Black and White Checker, they had no knowledge of this person? It could be that they were talking to the dispatch, and it could be that he never uses the dispatch. It could be what? It could be that he was never using the dispatch. I don't know. But I suggest that that's a question you can ask the. Let me ask, are you a, is this a pre-K medallion or a post-K medallion? Post-K. When did you get your medallion? It was approximately five years ago. Okay. And are you a full-time cab driver? Yes, I am. When do you drive? I usually drive the evening shifts Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Saturday and Sunday. But that's not exclusive. Sometimes I'll drive a day shift here and there. I have a roster of all the shifts that were driven. Okay. So if our staff was to go ask you for a roster of your vehicle for every day of the last year, you'd be able to produce that and who was driving the vehicle? I can do it right now if you like for probably. Okay. No, I don't want it right now. The last six months. Okay. Any other questions for Mr. Jacob? Can I ask a question? Yes. You went down to the police station on July 7th? Yes. I think it was July 7th. I went with Garrett Gretsch and also with Evgeny. All three of us went down. Was it a Monday or was that a Friday this year? Well, I can tell you that. I don't recall. I think it was a Friday, but I'm not sure. Well, let's see here. July 8th was a Tuesday. July 7th, a Monday. July 7th was a Monday? Okay. This suspension is also affecting other drivers. Okay. When you went down on July 7th to the taxi detail, you had the driver with you, right? Yes. Okay. And at that time, he didn't have a driver's ID card, right? I don't know. I think he may have had it by that time. No, he did not have it. I'm not sure. He did not have it because he was summarily suspended on July 4th, or rather you were summarily suspended on July 4th and the car was seized and towed for not having the driver who had no A card, correct? No, he did have an A card, but it was not current. That means he didn't have an A card. He didn't have a current A card, yes. Okay. So did he go to taxi school the week of July 7th? I could not. I don't know if he went or not. Well, he didn't because he went down to the treasurer's office that very day and renewed it, didn't he? Probably. I don't know when he renewed it, but he did renew it. Do you have any information about that particular transaction? No, I don't. Okay. So may I ask a question then? Whenever someone has an A card that expires, then even if it's expired for just, and I'm doing this more for the public, even if it expires just one day or how many days, then they have to attend the school again. What's the deal? Every year the A cards expire December 31st, 
the drivers then receive a month. First of all, they are to renew by December 31st. Mm -hmm. You get a month grace period until January 31st. And by the way, this is not something we've imposed. This is in the business and tax code. No, no, I'm not asking code. that. I just want for the okay. record. Just, yeah. just so that's clear that this is not our procedure. Yeah. This is in the business and tax right. code for right. all for permits the city issued. Okay. By January 31st, no penalties attach. Thereafter, penalties begin to accrue. However, by April 30th of every year, every single city permit is, ex is deemed expired. Mm -hmm. At that point, by operation of law, the permit is, that's it. So the procedure is the person then has to go to taxi school, pay, and start the process all over again. They can't just pay the penalties and get back in. So the answer is, as of April 30th of every year, if they haven't renewed their A card, they must attend the driving school again. And we give okay. everyone ample notice. They get multiple yep. letters. They get I'm not the color schemes are noticed. Yeah. Everybody's told you've got to come in. Right. And so in this case, it does not appear that this individual went to taxi school. Uh, there was also never any history of any complaints prior to this incident with this individual. Okay. <clears throat> Gratch. This case is unprecedented, never happened before, guys. And uh, first of all, probably he's supposed to went to the class. He should go to the class, probably, to the school. But he ne I never been notified, and he never been, been notified that he's supposed to go to the school. Where is the law? Where, where is reading that he's supposed to go to the school? We didn't know that. There is no problem. He'll go to the school. And besides, that's not Mr. Jacob's problem. That's the driver's problem. He was making, he made a mistake. So now he went to, uh, he went to renew his A card. I mean, this is a minor violation. This is not a major violation to take away the medallion. This is absolutely outrage. The taxi cab drivers, two of them, are, are crying. They're looking for a job and they cannot find the job. For you, easy to sit down here and, and just talk. Just talk about two weeks suspension, three weeks suspension. Cab drivers rely on every day to drive a cab and make a couple hundred dollars to pay their bills. This is absolutely outrage what's going on in here. This is not his problem. Yes, he had an uh, unvalid uh, license. So many cab drivers have, so what? Are we going to pull the medallions because of that? It's. It's very difficult. I, I got a copy, and I didn't pay attention by myself, because you can see it, especially in the black and white picture, that when, that, uh, when it expired. Okay, we verify with the Dmitry, by the way, Sergeant, that Dmitry is on a payroll, and probably when somebody calling him and he's dispatching, do you know this guy? He's on the rosters. Of course he doesn't know who is this guy. It's not easy for We've got 200 cab drivers. How the dispatcher know who is driving that cab? It's, 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 it's impossible. Based, especially, he is busy with the clients, with the customers, is handling the cab business. So anyway, I think he got his punishment already. He got this punishment, Commissioner Breslin. He got his punishment already, okay? So you got to give this medallion tonight back to him and... I hope you do that. Thank you. Uh, how, how many minutes do we have on this block? I don't know. No, no time for me. You like me, maybe. That's why you never... No time. Oh. Yeah. No, it's, it's one minute, and if we have questions, we'll ask questions. Commissioners, I just would like to follow up. First of all, this is the exact problem that the taxi detail is dealing with. 
dispatchers, how can they know who's driving? First of all, how do we know whether he has an expired A card? Everybody in this business goes through an intense training program, and that includes an eight-hour training period by Officer Paul Makovekas, who extremely beats into them every year, you have to get your A card renewed. Then the following year, we put numerous blast facts out to every color scheme, every dispatch, saying that January 31st, you need to renew your card before penalties. Then we send one out April 30th. That's the cutoff. So we do inform people. Again, when you talk to the color schemes, it's always, why isn't the taxi detail telling us what to do? Why isn't the taxi commission telling us what to do? And in reality, they're not taking responsibility for their color schemes, and they're not taking responsibility for their medallions. We have over 20 color schemes, and it's only a small percentage of these companies that were back again and again and again on these issues. So that's why public safety is paramount to my unit. That's why when I find people trying to pass the buck and saying they're not responsible for making sure that people are following all the rules, the code says I can go to the medallion holder and hold them accountable. It's right there in black and white, and that's what my office is going to do. So we have licensed people that are following the rules, that can tell us who's driving, that fill out complete way bills, so we can solve some of the problems that we're having. As I said before, 50 to 100 complaints a week. Most of those are solved by way bills. People don't do them. We can't solve them. And do they know that? I think they do. And that's why they don't want to put the information on the way bills. That's why they want to be lazy. And the bottom line is that inhibits my unit's ability to try to investigate and get the bad drivers out. Just to fill in another little gap here for people who don't understand the process, at Yellow Cab, when you get your A card every year, you have to show that card to the dispatcher. The dispatcher takes that card, records the number, and that becomes Yellow Cab's proof that you have your new A card. Now, you told us you don't know. Sometimes there are people who don't have permits. It's not your responsibility. Yes, it is your responsibility. Anyone going out, driving a vehicle under your color scheme, you have the responsibility to know that he has a current A card, and you need to know that number. Okay, now whether or not, and I just want to be here tonight to support what our staff has done in this case because we're going to send some serious messages about people who are out driving vehicles that don't have the proper permits, that there's going to be accountability. It's not just going to come down on the individual driver. It's going to come down on the color schemes and the permit holders. So next speaker. I think we have a case here. Mr. Jacobs not taking full responsibility. He didn't check the man's A card. Maybe it was last year's A card. Maybe it was the year before. He says the guy was maybe a good driver, but he shows no proof of his DMV record. Most likely he wasn't even insured on the night he was driving. These are problems that this commission should deal with exactly and help the police do their job because it protects the industry. By letting flagrant abuses like this take place and, and blaming it on a somebody in the line, a chain, a claiming that no one's responsible when ultimately the medallion permit holder is responsible for his taxi. You can blame it on black and white, but you can't really put all the blame there. It's his responsibility to make sure that the guy driving has a clean record, has a driver's license, has an A card, and he's been approved by everyone in the chain. 
to say, hey, well, I looked at the card and maybe it was this year, last year. That's all crap. And to say that, he, he didn't know. You know, that's not full responsibility because negligence of the law is no excuse. Thank you. Good evening. I want to talk about the, uh, several things. Number one, the, the cost that he's already incurred. That medallion, he lost it three days uh, in July, and it's been uh, from the 5th to today is uh, 17 days. Um, so it's he's already lost, and it's already cost him thousands of dollars, the permit holder thousands of dollars. He has His insurance, his fees, his costs are still there. The drivers that are on this car have lost thousands of dollars. While that medallion, while this is being considered, there's a serious consequence which is happening to these drivers right now. Uh, in terms of due process, I, I, I don't understand why this medallion has to be off the street during this period of time. Why wasn't this brought up? Uh, in terms of a process uh, now to be considered. Um, it's, uh, uh, he's, he's, a, he's an owner-operator, and uh, uh, I'm an owner-operator. And another thing is uh, in regard to the uh, okay. notices. I'm sorry, we have, to, we have to cut. Just one minute, sorry. Thank you. Get to your point soon, because we just have one minute. Good evening. It's been a minute since I've been here, but um, it's very interesting. Sergeant Reynolds said, I get nothing but resistance. And then what happened to two speakers later? Nothing but resistance. That's absolutely amazing. How anyone who's running a business, doesn't matter what the business is, it could be cupcakes, it could be whatever, cannot take responsibility for running their business. If I'm sorry, if, if I'm running, I don't care what it is. I'm not sure if you guys heard about what happened in San Mateo yesterday where the guy was in the truck and the brakes didn't work. Yeah. That owner that's sitting in Hayward now has whatever happened with the people that died and things like that. These are things we're talking about, whether it's workers' comp, uh, insurance for the, for the vehicle, whatever. You have to know this doesn't work, so we need to know that. And I think that this is the case. This is the case in point right now while it's fresh in our minds, not two or three cases down the road. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. I am at Horde at some of the comments I heard tonight. And I think if you believe 99% of what you heard from these people, then you ought to have your heads examined. Because I'm telling you, Sergeant Reynolds does not play games. There are a couple of things, though, to point out. I think Officer Fong should get a, rec a, re a resolution of thanks for his work that he's done out there regarding protecting us, the public. Two, how did the Treasurer's Office allow the renewal of an A card when it expired and he had to go through school? How did that happen? Three, how did the color scheme not know who this individual is, even though he's been driving for years? Yeah, a lot of 200 drivers. But if, if a driver's been around for a long time, you know who he is. And I want to also say, next week is a, an important holiday. And if this person does observe it, he ought to look in inside himself. Why would he allow this to have gone on to this point? And also, if you do decide to take it out of suspension then at least uh, make sure that this driver does not drive until he has proof that he can do it right. And also Thank that he deceived the medallion holder. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good evening, Commissioners. Uh, there is everybody got his own opinion, and I got my opinions. Commissioners, the point is that we all have a rule and regulations. Based on those rule and regulations, we follow the rule and regulations. 
There is no reg rule and regulations to showing in the tax industry when you can remove your, uh, when you can renew your A cards. Sometimes people do it six months. So show me Jordana Tech Pens. This is the rule that they was expires. You have a rule and regulations. You don't have that part. Anytime we feel we change it, there is nothing wrong with that. But accusing somebody to have no A card expires, but this man been driving a cab, he have a A cards, and there is no rule and regulations to when we have to go and renew it. I don't see that law. And you go down the stair, pay. Would the guy have a right? And he went and paid. And according to my understanding was until June or July, he allowed to do uh, Thank, thank you. you. Anyone else? Okay, public comment is closed. Um, so what we have before us tonight is to decide on whether to uh, lift or continue the summary suspension. I'll just I'll start off with this. I think, you know, I, I want to commend Sergeant Reynolds and the officer who was involved in this case and the steps that we took because I think in the past there hasn't been this strong a message sent on this type of uh, situation, and I think there was a strong message sent in this case, and I hope from what I saw from Mr. Jacob and, and the agreement that he has and sort of some of the steps that he's taken to make sure that uh, he deals with the situation, I'm uh, heartened by that. And I do believe that there's been, uh, you know, this has been off the streets for several weeks now, and the the problem that I have with this whole situation is the drivers who were driving this vehicle and had their A cars and had all their permits, and they haven't been able to work for the last several weeks, and so I do have some sympathy for them. Um, so having said that, it's my feeling that I think we should continue bringing this case and, and any of the, uh, whether it's against the uh, permit holder uh, for not going back to school or not having the A card in the first place. Um, I, however, would support lifting the suspension and getting this medallion back on the street, uh, given the steps that have been taken to uh, hopefully rectify this situation. So those are my feelings. I'll jump in. Anyone else? All right. I, uh, I would second that I, I, I found um, that Mr. Jacob was, um, was approaching this very seriously, very diligently, if a little later than we would have liked it. <laughs> you know, it would have been better if it had happened first off. The leases, I do want to ask a question to the executive director. Are those leases on file with you? Yeah, he's just given them. So... Um now we have them, and we'll we'll put them in his file. Okay. Um, I, I think the penalties have been cumulative, you know, with two separate suspensions of the medallion. I think the driver um, is, is someone who is jeopardizing a person's business and should really uh, be held accountable. And I think the treasurer's office, I would like to ask through the chair to the executive director that there's an inquiry there at the treasurer's office as to how uh, an A card be, can be issued without having the proof of the training, um, if indeed that's even something that they're asking at this point in time. Uh, 
I'm happy to make that inquiry regarding this particular individual. Not just the individual, though, but for their practices. Just the procedure in general. If a permit has expired, how do we determine whether or not they've gone back to school or not? What's the check and balance there? It's a perfect time because they've made a request for this department to pay them $48,000 based on money that they claim we owe that wasn't in the budget, that they never put in the budget for the past two years, and now they're trying to get $48,000. So I'd be happy to make that inquiry in conjunction with that request. That satisfies me there. So I would concur with the President's position that I think this medallion does need to go back on the street. I know that Mr. Jacob will most likely be working with our Executive Director to ensure that he understands all his record-keeping responsibilities, and I would vote to put it back on. And not only Mr. Jacob, but black and white checker also. There's a color scheme responsibility here. And the days, you know, Nancy Pelosi said the party's over today to the financial industry. The party's over for the color schemes in San Francisco. This kind of wash-my-hands-of-it, arm's-length attitude toward affiliates, those days are gone when you don't know who's driving your vehicles, you don't know whether they have the proper permits or not. Those days are over, okay? They never really were supposed to go away. Yeah. But accountability is not only going to come to the individual driver and to the permit holder, but it's going to come to the color scheme also. Color schemes need to know who's driving their vehicles and that those drivers are properly permitted. Anyone else wants to? I agree with the President and Vice President's point. I mean, I understand the responsibilities of each party, but I would like to see these drivers and people who's involved in this case start working immediately. And I want to make clear that, you know, if we lift the suspension tonight, this is not in any way to preclude our director from following up on this case and, you know, bringing any appropriate charges that she feels is necessary in this case. It's just a question of whether or not the suspension is, the summary suspension will continue. Commissioner Arnetto, is there anything you want to say or weigh in on this? Yes. Well, I'd like to read something into this and then, you know, because everyone says they know about this business, and I'm not sure who knows about it or who doesn't or know their own regulations. So I want to read this one regulation to the medallion holders. It's 4A3. Every medallion holder shall ensure that their taxi cab, color scheme holder, dispatch service, and business operations adhere to all requirements set forth in both these regulations and the San Francisco Municipal Police Code. Failure to comply may result in administrative action. Now, I'd like to change it to will result in administrative action. But understand, it's ultimately your responsibility. It's the medallion holder. You are handling a city asset. We're asking you to take good care of it. That's why we keep going what we do here. That's why we're doing what we do here. It's your responsibility to know what's going on with your car. So saying that, I 
I concur with, with the rest of the commissioners. I, I hate seeing people out of work, so, you know. Swallow, you want to add anything? Okay. Can I maybe get a motion on this then? Motion to lift the uh, suspension. And second. <laughs> All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes. So you can come down tomorrow in the morning, okay, and get, get it back, okay? Okay. Okay, do you want to come after that? Okay. All right. Okay, next item. Yes. The next item is, um, well, did you want to call? Yeah, I want to uh, call item 10 okay. and then item 9. Okay. Item 10 is consideration of hearing officer's recommendations in tax commission versus Rahimi, Rahimi 2. Unfortunately, there is a typographical error here as well. It's not a consideration of hearing officer's decision to revoke. Um, it's actually a consideration of hearing officer's decision to lift summary suspension of P16 permit 1135 and P44 taxi driver permit 62705 um, held by. There's two. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> it's confusing. I'm gonna I'm, let me just read the item and I'm gonna explain to you. It's very confusing um, because of the typographical error, one part, but then another part. There, the fact that there are two Roman numerals, and I'm gonna explain all of it in one moment. Permit 62705 held by Bashir Rahimi for violations of rules 4A1, 6D1, and 6E1. Okay. What you have before you is merely the summary suspension on item 10. There is also an underlying case, which is called Rahimi 1. That is item 9. We will not be addressing that factually right, right this very moment. Okay. I just want to explain to you procedurally what is happening before I go to the podium to explain the, the, you know, the decision. There was a case that was filed long ago. It was, not, it was not brought by myself. It was brought by another individual in the office. That case started going through the process of um, the hearing officer. A decision was rendered by Henry Epstein that decision said leave the record open okay that was that an amended complaint was then filed by myself however later evidence came forward during the pendency of that complaint so a second amended complaint had to be filed that complaint is item 9 then more things happened more incidents happened a summary suspension had to issue based on those facts. Because there was already a case entitled Taxi Commission versus Rahimi, we then titled that case Taxi Commission versus Rahimi, Rahimi 1, and the summary suspension Taxi Commission versus Rahimi, Rahimi 2. So I will here and after refer to them as Rahimi 1 and Rahimi 2, okay? We're dealing with Rahimi 2 on item 10. So there's now been more incidents. Those will result in Rahimi 3. Okay. So we're just dealing with Rahimi 2 right now. Is there any questions procedurally about what's happening? Yeah, why are we going yeah. in the order we're going? Because are we going to be going into item number 9? Yes. Okay, now here's my question. That's a, that still is a revocation? Yes. Why are we dealing with 10 if there might not be a reason after nine. Because a summary suspension 
that is issued for reasons of public health and safety keeps a person out of the industry and keeps the person off of the street. If you find that the decision was rightfully issued by the hearing officer and she said that the medallion should be kept on the street, you would be allowing that medallion to continue to operate. But nine is a revocation. Doesn't that mean the medallion is gone? I mean, he has it no more. He can't be on the street, right? Yes. Am I understanding that? Yes. But when the case goes to the Board of Appeals, if there has been a finding that the individual is danger to the public by this commission and that the individual should not be on the street, that will weigh into the Board of Appeals determination that during the pendency of that action, the medallion should either be on the street and the person should be on the street or the person should not be on the street. And the Board of Appeals may decide to keep the summary suspension in place during the pendency of the appeal or it may decide not to. It may decide to keep the medallion operating and keep the A card suspended or it may decide vice versa. But that will be their determination. This commission, however, still needs to rule on the summary suspension to determine if the person should be kept off the street. Do you understand? Okay. Actually, that opened something up for me. Yes. I thought the summary suspension was not about keeping the person off the street but keeping the medallion off the street. In this case, a summary suspension issued against both the A card and the medallion. So it is about the person in this instance. So we can't separate the two? You could. Okay. Yeah. So now I'll go down to the podium and talk about the, just give an overview of the decision. Again, I'm not an advocate. I'll just give an overview. All right. So what we have in this case, we have some incidents that occurred primarily at the airport, San Francisco airport, with Mr. Bashir Rahimi, who's present here this evening. These incidents basically arose out of contact that Mr. Rahimi had with Ms. Emma Perez. She is the operations manager for DAJA, which manages the parking at the airport. So it handles everything from the parking garages to the smart card system that the drivers use to go in and out of the airport and pick up fares. So the facts are outlined in there. Essentially, there was an altercation there, and some threats were allegedly made against Ms. Perez. Ms. Perez filed for a restraining order. In fact, the order was granted in part. Mr. Rahimi is barred from having any contact with Ms. Perez. That order did issue by the San Mateo County Superior Court. The airport is under San Mateo County jurisdiction. In response to the facts that we became aware of regarding Mr. Rahimi and regarding this Ms. Perez incident, the Taxi Commission and the Taxi Detail decided to summarily suspend Mr. Rahimi for his behavior. There were also some other incidents, which are spelled out in great detail in the actual complaint. But essentially, there was some harassment of some females that occurred while Mr. Rahimi had these females as passengers in his vehicle. And I was able to obtain a declaration from one of them, 
Um, I was not able to obtain her declaration back in March when I filed the second amended complaint in Rahimi 1. The reason I was not able to do that is because this individual was in fear and refused to testify against Mr. Rahimi. I was able to convince her later, um, because there had been more incidents, I was able to convince her that her testimony could assist. Um, so that is why you see her declaration in, in Rahimi 2, but not in Rahimi 1. She did agree reluctantly to provide an anonymous declaration. Um, you know, but I didn't put her last name. That's, that's what I mean by anonymous. Um, to protect her, and that is very common. Um, the police do that for sexual assault victims. So um, we were able to do that um, in that case. Uh, so that's an overview of the case. Um, the hearing officer, um, and by the way, Ms. Press actually testified at the hearing, um, so just so you're aware of that. And so did her manager, actually, Richard Fair, who's also been present. Um, so... The hearing officer voted, however, um, because of, well, it's in the decision, but based in part on the uh, hearing, or rather the, the judge's decision that it wasn't a full stay away from the airport, but merely as to Ms. Perez, she felt that the summary suspension had been lifted, or should, I'm sorry, should be, should be lifted in that case. Um, and as I said, procedurally, her decision is merely a recommendation to you, but I accepted the recommendation at the time of the hearing because... I have been doing, I've been doing that because otherwise what's the point in sending them so, uh, to the hearing officer? So he, right now he does have his A card and medallion in his possession and presumably has been operating it. Um, so that's an overview of the case. Um, I'm a little <laughs> unclear on this. Um, wouldn't the summary suspension be in place until we accepted this decision? Well, that's, that's, been the, that's the whole problem. I mean, like I said when I was talking about the procedures earlier, I mean, her decision is a recommendation. So you could look at the facts and decide, we, don't, we want to deny this recommendation. We, we think it should be kept in place. That is your, that's your right. What's, what I've been doing is procedurally, and, and I said that at the hearing. I, I brought that up. I said, well, you know, your decision is merely a recommendation. And she said, well, aren't you just going to accept my recommendation? And I said, yes, because, I mean, earlier there had been another case where the driver solved the problem, and we, came, we both came to the hearing, and the driver said, well, I've solved my problem. And I, I spoke to him before the hearing and his attorney, and we agreed that the problem had been solved. So I said, you know, this driver has solved the problem. He, he shouldn't be on suspension anymore. And Julie ruled from the bench, well, yeah, he shouldn't be suspended. That's my recommendation. And I said, okay, then he's not summarily suspended. So under those circumstances, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't accept it on one case and not on the other. I, that's not due process. That's not appropriate for me to – I just didn't feel appropriate doing that at the time without any procedures in place. So I made a judgment call as a professional to preserve the due process rights of the defendants. And people can say what they will – but that's, that's what I determined was an appropriate course of action. Again, without any procedures. That's why we need the procedures so that we, everybody knows what to rely on under the circumstance. So you can reinstitute a suspension if you feel it's warranted. But right now, I'm just telling you, he has it back. So, and that's why I'm going to bring summary suspensions to you, and we will not have this problem in the future. The decision will simply be made at the time. Thank <laughs> you. 
Okay. Um, Mr. Owen, what is our procedure when this isn't actually, as far as giving Mr. Rahimi time to respond to this? Okay. Please, sir, come up. If you'd like, I'm going to give you five minutes to respond to this. Good evening, Commissioners. Bashir Rahimi. Commissioner, she's coming so strong, we need an attorney. I don't have my attorney tonight. I was illegally suspended. I was asking the Commissioners to have the power to give me a year's time until I find some money to hire an attorney. I'm sorry, you're coming to me now. I'm saying, you know, the way she's acting is illegally everything. She suspended me illegally, and then she gave me my medallion back illegally, such as both of she's doing whatever she wants to do. She's violating my due process law. However, we don't want to go down because I don't have my attorney with me. The only thing I'm asking is the commissioner does have a power to give me a year's time to find some money to hire attorneys. Please. Why don't you have an attorney? Because I cannot afford it. She illegally shut me down. I was for days and out of works, and she gave me illegally back my medallions. I don't know why she shut me down, why she gave me back. Now I, I want to need a while to work to find some attorneys. So you're asking us for a continuance of this yeah, case please. tonight? Continuous for at least, uh, uh, the commissioner does have a power, please don't. Uh, uh, at least a year, um, give us like at least five, six months to uh, find some money to hire attorneys. Excuse me, but we're not hearing the case. No, we're, we're, we're going on what the hearing officer did. So, no, 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 I'm no, not no. in favor of a continuance. No, no, but this is not a fair to, because this case is related to the other case. If I open my case right now, this is like I'm feeling like there is a, I'm not sure there is a conspiracy involved. Such as my attorney is not here, I cannot prove it to you. Maybe I'm wrong, Commissioner. Don't take that thing. There's a lot of things going on. My question to you is, yes, sir. why don't you have, you're, you're asking us for a convenience. You've known about this case. We've continued this case. I don't know, a couple times. So my question to you is, if you Com need Commissioner, an attorney, sir, you never continued this case. Why didn't you? Get an attorney for tonight. Because uh, I went over there. I'm, uh, you never, first of all, commissioners, you never continue this case. This is the first time I come front of you about this case. Second of all, commissioners, they shut me down for days and I lost a lot of money. I need to create it to work. I'm a poor individual person with a four kids. She accused me I'm a million dollars man with all houses. She, that was not true and she lost it. And there is like, Commissioner, I was give, give you one advice. In Afghani people, is Rahimi names. In American, Samet. A lot of Samet names. In Afghani name, a lot of Rahimi names. She went to Contra Costa in, in Alameda County. Whatever the Rahimi name was, the individual owned the property. They accused me to I owned it. But unfortunately, front of hearing officer, she did not prove all those things. Okay, we're not really. Yes. Commissioner, that's all I'm asking you. Uh, I went to, uh, to get a few lawyers, they, I mean attorneys, sorry, and they willing to ask me more money. I can't afford it. So I continued for a while to create some money, please. 
Do you have anything else? Okay. Very much. Please grant me for Do you want to follow continuations. up? Director Thickpen? He had an attorney as late as last week, and that attorney has been representing him for some months and was present at the summary suspension hearing even. Um, so I don't understand. I guess he fired the attorney, but, I mean, there certainly was never any request for continuance made uh, prior to. Uh, he came in yesterday um, at approximately 2 p.m. and um, essentially made a scene in the office and asked for continuance, and I said no, that he would have to come here tonight because I was not going to grant that request. And I said that he could make it here, and apparently he's done so. Mr. Rahe, did you have an attorney at your summary suspension hearing? Uh, commissioners, yes, I did. And okay, uh, why didn't you tell me that just a minute ago when I asked you whether or not you had an attorney? Um, you're asking for tonight I don't have no, an attorney. No, I'm asking you if you've had an attorney in this case. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Commissioners. Yes, I do have. I used to have an attorney. And where is that person now? Uh, that person is I cannot defer him. He don't want to look, no work with me. He said, you don't have no money. And I said, no, I don't. And he said, you have to go work, find some money, come back, I defend you. That's the reason I'm, I, can, I need a time to work to pay the attorney monies. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Do you have anything else, Mr. Dan? I mean, it's you know it, it's at your discretion, but um, you know there's there's a lot of issues in this one and in nine, and so we just okay. I now understand that you're just presenting. You're not advocating here. Um, before we go to public comment, are there any questions for either our staff or for Mr. Rahimi about this? No. Yes, sir. Okay, I'm going to go to public comment. Is there anyone who would like to make public comment on this case for one minute? Yeah, I have a very quick comment. I think part of your job is to ridding the industry of trash such as Mr. Ramini. Okay. I'm not going to talk about it in that inspect, Neil, but I'm going to look at the public record. Hold it. Look at the public record. I'm going to stop just for a second, okay? I'm not going to allow that kind of ad hominem attack. It's Those not a harsh comment. Words, it's not a harsh comment. Referencing people's ethnicity or making those kind of... Do your job, comments. Mr. Gillespie. That's all we're asking. Mail. That's all I'm you saying. You read the record on this man. He has criminal activity going back 16, 17 years. It's not just here at the taxi commission that he has a problem. He's had it in a real estate business. He's Can you stop? You are accusing someone okay. without any proof. You my my you comment was only that. that I'm not going to allow those types of words to be used in an ad hominem way like that. You can say whatever you want about a person, but no words of those types are going to be used. Thank you. Next speaker. Anyone else? Seeing that, public comment is closed. Commissioners? How this? I mean, if, theoretically, say we, you know, it would if how we ruled on one may 
I've given an impression or an indication of how we might rule on the other without even going over it. I don't know. It's just confusing. The facts of this are distinct from the other. I mean, the summary suspension issued for the incidents that occurred with Emma Perez and the incident with the females was included to show a pattern in practice. That's why those declarations were included. Were you to overrule the hearing officer's decision and uphold a summary suspension that had been issued by, again, the police department and my office, then if you ruled on nine and you did uphold the hearing officer in that circumstance, technically then the suspension would be moot, okay, because the medallion would be revoked at that point. Okay? I'm sorry. And taking action on this doesn't preclude us from taking action on the next item. I think that's the point that I would like to make. Okay. No, we're finished. You can have a seat. I would like to know what I'm understanding here is that Mr. Rahimi has his medallion back and he is currently driving. Is that the case? That's my understanding. All right. Okay. Which I'm not happy with. Okay. So the recommendation of the hearing officer is that the summary suspension of Mr. Rahimi's permits be lifted, which in fact it already is been lifted, which is what you were just referencing when I was referencing in my question earlier. My recommendation would be, and we have done this in other cases, would be to suspend Mr. Rahimi from driving from what I've read here, but to allow the medallion to stay in play, and we have done that. There is a precedence for that. I think that's because we're faced with two separate cases. That is what I would do in this case, and then I would approach the medallion in the second case. Do you want to make a motion? Well, I want to hear more discussion, I think, and see how others feel, if anyone has another idea. Well, since we haven't, you know, in these cases we're actually, we're voting either to accept the hearing officer's recommendation or to rehear the case, and so given that that's the situation, you know, we haven't gone into the facts of this case in this one, and the hearing officer did, and, you know, she was pretty clear. Hearing officer's recommendation, I'm reading from Section 3, the San Mateo Superior Court judge that issued the Shoniar did not believe that Mr. Rahimi posed a physical threat to Ms. Paris. This is evidenced by the fact that he issued only a personal conduct order, not a stay-away order. She also goes on to state that Mr. Rahimi does not have a history of violence against women or passengers during his almost 10 years as a taxi cab driver. They do not establish that there is escalated aggression, and that the taxi mission is not established by a preponderance of the evidence that Mr. Rahimi poses a threat to public health or safety. Therefore, 
the hearing officer recommends that the summary suspension be lifted. You know, I hear all that, but, you know, I'm someone that says we need to hold our drivers, our medallion holders, to a higher standard. Fine, he didn't have a history of violence. Fine, he didn't pose a physical threat. But did he utter what was uttered? Did he threaten them not with physical violence but with words? I don't want that. But in order for us to determine that, given that we didn't hear this case or they hear the facts of this case, if we were to make a judgment on that tonight, we would only really be allowed to say we want to rehear this case rather than we're going to make our own judgments as to what happened and sort of second-guess the hearing officer in this case. Well, I'm not in agreement with the hearing officer's decision. I'll just say that right now. I'm not. So there. So if the rest of you want to say you agree with it, fine. I'm not looking forward to rehearing the case either. See, this is what we have to do, though, Commissioner Breslin. If we don't agree with the hearing officer's decision, we can vote to accept it or we can vote to rehear it or we can vote to modify what she's decided. But we can't really. You can try to separate number 10 from number 9. But if I vote in accordance with the hearing officer who says he doesn't pose a threat and so on, then I'm going to have to take a real hard look at number 9 of the revocation because options in question 9 don't have to do with personal behavior. They have to do with the full-time driving requirement. Which you know where I stand on that. I think the behavior is the criteria that I want to. With all due respect, I would believe then, though, that your motion would be to rehear the case then. I'd like to hear how the other commissioners think. I'd like to see where the leanings are going. I'd like to accept the recommendation. And we could communicate. I mean, we're around. I mean, we're not going to go anywhere. We live in the city. And, of course, there could have been, there might have been some rough exchanges. But I think Mr. Rahimi got a lot to learn. And, I mean, I'm sorry to use that word for, you know, learning something. Because we're supposed to know already. It's easy to accuse someone. And I think maybe, Mr. Rahimi, you need to prove that, you know, that's not really who you are. And that's one thing. And we have the medallion issue here, like, you know, driving requirement and stuff like that. I think that's two separate issues here. And that's why I want to go along with the recommendation. Only logical. Because we even let, like, somebody who had a car, I mean, gun in his car. I mean, like, you know, we need to make some kind of sense, like, of what. I mean, that was not because we didn't know the meaning of safety. If you recall, like, a few months back ago. I mean, we're looking at all these different kind of situations. And it's not easy. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
to make a decision. But I think we have to have some kind of trust in – we've got to have some trust in human being. And we're working with taxi drivers, and I think we've got to trust them. So if the law says that he's not a threat to the public at this point, then, yeah, I will trust that. And then I will trust Mr. Rahimi, and I will trust that he will fulfill all the obligations as being a good driver. That's how I feel. I guess what kind of makes it for me is that it has gone through the San Mateo Superior Court, and there was a personal conduct order, but that's nothing like a restraining order. That's just be a good boy. So I'm inclined to go with what the hearing officer recommendation is. Just that I'm inclined to go with the hearing officer's recommendation. This is through the chair to the city attorney. I forget. Can we make a friendly, not so friendly, amendment to the hearing officer's recommendation, accepting what he says but putting a further restriction? We could, because I would tend to then put a restriction on him going to the airport. I'm sorry, but I'm still new at this, but could we trust the system that's in place to monitor that? That's my problem with that. That's what I agree. Yes. I mean, I can't see any way that anyone's convinced me to trust any system yet with this industry. I'm very disappointed in what the system produced, but I will go along with the commissioners because we're now turning to the second item that affects this case. It goes against my grain to vote for him to keep driving from what I've read, but actually you don't even need my vote. So why don't you take a roll call? Motion, I'll make a motion to accept the recommendation from the hearing officer. That the summary suspension be lifted? Yes. Is there a second? Yes. Second. Okay. Roll call. Tamara, do you want to do this? Roll call on item number 10, accepting the hearing officer's decision. Was there an amendment to that? No, no amendment. They didn't like it, no. Okay. President Gillespie? Yes. Vice President Breslin? No. Commissioner Arnetta? Yes. Commissioner Pack? Yes. Commissioner Saval? No. I'm sorry, I just, I don't like it. Oh, you don't like it? No, and I don't like, well, I shouldn't say after that. The vote is three to two. The vote passes. The motion fails, actually. No, the motion passes. You need five votes to overturn the hearing officer's decision, according to the rules. Five votes to overturn it. So it passes. Thank you. Thank you.
That's fine. That's that's the way that works. Okay. Do we need a formal vote to not accept the hearing officer's decision? In other words, do we need a motion and then a okay? So our first vote was equal to that. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay. Next item. The next item is item nine: consideration of hearing officer's recommendations in Taxi Commission versus Rahimi. Rahimi one. This is consideration, consideration of hearing officer's decision to revoke the P16 permit 1135 and also the A card um, 62705 held by Abdul Bashir Rahimi, also known as Syed Bashir Rahimi, also known as Bashir Rahimi, formerly Bay Cab, now DeSoto Cab, for violations of the San Francisco Municipal Police Code section 1081F, Municipal Police Code sections 1110, 1138, Taxi Cab Ramp Taxi Rules and Regulations 4A1, 4A2, and 4A12. And um, again, I'll give a brief overview of this case. And um, once again, I'll note that uh, I expect to file Rahimi 3 tomorrow. Uh, Excuse me, what is Rahimi 3 or you can't tell us at this point? I can't speak to it at this point. It's going to be the third case involving um, continuing violations that have occurred since these other actions were filed. And, and okay. You can't talk about it. Never mind. Under the current rules, I have to keep filing cases. No matter how many times someone violates a case, once a case has been brought, I have to continually bring um, cases. Uh, okay, so this is an overview of um, the hearing officer's recommendation from an April 18, 2008 hearing. Um, as I stated earlier, uh, the complaint that formed the basis for this hearing on April 18th was known as the second amended complaint. Um, it's quite extensive. A copy is behind you. Um, copies up here. I have a copy here as well. Um, there was substantial evidence presented in that case. Um, some of the evidence consisted of documents uh, from other jurisdictions indicating um, some of Mr. Rahimi's administrative problems in those jurisdictions, as well as documentary evidence that he had, in fact, committed perjury at earlier hearings um, before the hearing officer. The hearing officer, in fact, found um, as one of the grounds for uh, the revocation recommendation that Mr. Rahimi had, in fact, committed perjury. Um, that was one of the findings. She also found that uh, he had submitted um, problematic waybills, duplicate waybills, um, fraudulent waybills. Um, she found in particular as to the, the years um, that only 157 hours could be counted towards the full-time driving requirement for 2005 out of 800 and that he had violated the full-time driving requirement for the year 2005. She found that 63 hours only could be counted towards the full-time driving requirement for 2006 and that therefore he had violated the full-time driving requirement for 2006. She also found that only 517.5 hours could be counted towards the full-time driving requirement for 2007 and that consequently he had violated municipal the uh, driving the full-time driving requirement. She found that he had committed false statements uh, she found that um, additionally he had uh, committed perjury, as I stated earlier. Um, and she also she also found that he had um, waivable violations, municipal 
Municipal Police Code Section 1138 for several years. On page 21 of her decision, it's spelled out exactly how many violations she found and what those rules were. Also, I would just note procedurally that Mr. Rahimi has been disciplined extensively, extensively by the commission before. That is all subject to the Second Amendment complaint. So that's in there. So under that circumstance, she gave a very lengthy decision. Here's a copy of it right here. She took her time, labored over the waybills. Exhibit B in particular is her work, a table. She went over every waybill individually and found these problems and took her time with the decision. As I said, this case was heard in April, and this hearing officer is very quick. I mean, she's getting decisions out within a couple of days. So for her to take her time with this case and give such a well-reasoned decision speaks to her decision, her recommendation, rather. Any questions about procedure or anything else? She did recommend revocation of both the A card and the medallion. The commission had sought revocation of the medallion and suspension of the A card pending Mr. Rahimi's payment of the unsecured property tax balance that he owes the city and county of San Francisco. He does owe the city quite a bit of money, and the commission felt that he should not be able to have the benefit of a permit from another city agency while he's owing the city and county of San Francisco's general fund, the taxpayer's money. But the hearing officer recommended simply to revoke the A card. So she recommended a harsher punishment than the commission had asked for in that regard. Okay. Mr. Rahimi, the hearing officer's decision is or the recommendation is to have your medallion revoked. Yes, sir. The reasons for that was egregious noncompliance with the driving requirement, five violations of the full-time driving requirement, 2001, 3, 5, 6, and 7, false statements, fabricated and falsified waybills, and perjury at the administrative hearing. Yes, sir. Well, Mr. Gillespie, good evening to you again. That's the reason I'm requesting for attorneys, but unfortunately the last time you make decisions without I heard my story. Now I have no choice to open my case. I'm waiting for the attorneys, whatever you like it. If you're willing to give me a few months' time, at least six months' time, I will go get the attorney or otherwise give me an opportunity to explain to you what's going on. I need your decision, sir. Can I hire an attorney or you want me to open it? No, I think we addressed that in the first instance tonight. Okay. Well, basically, as far as I understand and I remember, and you as my witness and all the commissioners, including you, ma'am, I know I kind of like you don't have a harsh shirt, whatever, you know. All of you decided on January 8th to put me on probations. Your decisions, not my decisions. And I wasn't from the January 8th to present time, I did not violate any rule or regulations. This waybills was done already by Honorable Judge Epstein, 
I don't understand what's the difference between Honorable Judge Epstein and Honorable Judge Josie Rosenberg. Is she's not the appealing officer? That's, am I feeling like it's a double jeopardy? Because uh, he already make a decisions. How come the other person coming with the same officer and same power make another decisions? However, the basically of this decision was because she was very upset. When we went to the courts, Honorable Judge Junie Rosenberg asked me to bring your evidence. Before that, I did bring him some document from the airport, which is in here. Can you light on? I put this one on the TV, ma'am, please. Oh, the TV doesn't work. However, here I show you to like this. This documents showing is, uh, oh, I'm sorry, it's, I put that one. This document showing is my uh, record showing from 1-1-2005. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Right here, the seeing the city and county of San Francisco, the San Francisco Commission with these marks, and this showing in here, my document starts from 1-1-2005, and it's going all the way down to And further in that, I have after that document, and there was another document showing it's called the smart card. Oh, I'm sorry. From 1-4-2008. Oh, I'm sorry. The last From the 2007, from the 2007, all the way down to 2008, my smart car. I was told the uh, Honorable Judge Epstein, I mean uh, Rosenberg, Your Honors, I have for 2007, 2,509 activity according to my uh, A cards. Here is my A cards evidence and proof. In the day my cab was at the airports, if it was not in the airports, here is my records. I showed to this one to the judge. Case was over. After case was over, on August 8th, she emails to my attorney and want to know these two records, where I can get these two records. I'm talking about the 112005 in the 2007, all those years records. Where you got it, Mr. Rahimi? I said a man, his name is John Estates, he's a supervisor at the San Francisco International Airport, work on the Adagia departments. My attorney asked me to go talk to the man, we need from him a declaration, you know, like declaration from him to he gave it to me. I said, okay, fine. I went over there by 12, so do I need some more time or please to explain everything to you? You know, <clears throat> okay, I went over, okay. You're getting I, into a level of detail here that we're really not prepared to listen to tonight. There's, you're, you're not really. No, 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 because the, the, the point is, when I went over there, they told me, Mr. Uh, Ms. Perez Ambrose accused me to I'm coming at her or her and threat her as a, I'm, oh, I cannot do anything. You have to give me at least five more, two more minutes to explain to you what's going on, please. 
It's my medallion and my permits and acres. I understand that, but you don't seem, you're not really addressing the, the reasons for that the judge has recommended your Yeah, I'm just, just, if you give me two minutes, I will be explaining to you. Okay, I'm going to give you Thank two you. more minutes. Okay. Basically of that, when I get over there, Emerald Purvis came in here and put me a string and order against of me. I cannot pro provide the judge, the honorable judge, uh, Judy Rosenberg's, the declaration from the Johns. Judy Rosenberg thinks I make those, both those paperwork. I'm like a fake. She was very upset and she denied with everything. Sir, for six months, I was a single chef driver on 2007. And they told me they don't have enough hours? Commissioners, what else do you want me to do? The, from the 1999 to present times, I purchased my cars, I bought my insurance, and I have a part-time drivers. They have the waiver from my drivers for 2005, 2006, and 2007. Not even 200, not even 150 waivers. I was driving all the time. I'm not a fake cab driver, sir. If they are all talking about my waivers is not complete, sir, you know that. 99% of the driver never waivers is complete. I'm one of those. Based off that, if you want to revoke my medallions, unfair. But she also accused me I'm a million dollars. House, she did not prove it. She accused me to accuse this lady, this lady, this lady, all kind of story. She did not prove it. According to the permits, she came in here and testified with his managers. Judy Rosenberg did not believe her. This left the sections. She's coming to me, pick up my medallions, call me a terrorist. And without due violation, my due process law, they took my medallions and he said, get lost. In the end, I find out if I'm a terrorist, what I'm doing here, sir. How come they want to pick up my medallions and call me all those kind of words? Because I have uh, different names or different religions or there is a conspiracy involved? What's going on? Thank you. Would you like to follow up? It's like something happened the microphone here. That yeah. piece of foam is missing. I don't know what he has it or something. I don't know. Uh, in any event, I, um, these records were considered by um, by Julie Rosenberg that he's mentioned. So uh, these these were all part of his submission that his attorney made. Uh, they're records from the smart card system and also from the GTU transponder uh, logs. So um, he was given opportunity, just, just so you know, to present those and did, did in fact present them. Uh, so unless someone has any questions for me, um, you know, about the particular decision or um, you uphold this decision, it would then be um, presumably appealed to the Board of Appeals and would be a de novo hearing, uh, the extensive evidence and months of investigation that went into this particular case, and in fact, the years of citation that have gone on this particular individual would all be heard in that forum. So. Mr. Rahimi, do you have anything else you'd like to add? I'll give you two more minutes if you'd like.
number six, in here, in he's saying on the number six violations, if he, oh. <coughs> here, can you put them a little bit, uh, just a bit more? Here they're saying, <coughs> Mr. Rahim is a terrorist trapped. I'm a terrorist? I'm a cab driver, sir. If I'm a terrorist, what I'm doing in here? And based on that, they pull over my medallions, commissioners. Can you believe that? No, you cannot, but if there's evidence is right here. And commissioners, I'm just a hard-working man. I did prove with my taxes to the uh, hearing officer, Honorable Judge Rosenbergs, I'm driving since 1982. That's the only job I have. Four cases depend on me. But they are accusing me I'm a millionaire. And I have all houses. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have no houses. But I was accused. Even one of fellow cab driver, Mr. Barry, was upset. You have nine houses. I said, yes, I do. <laughs> Just laughing. Because why it's laughing? Rahimi is a big family in Afghanistan. Just like big families in Samit. They find all the people houses and accuse me. Pull over my medallion and call me a terrorist. Commissioners, 2,509 activity just the airport for six months on 2007, and they told me I'm guilty. I didn't have enough hours. Who has enough hours besides me? Just, just you're a cab driver. This is right there is the records. Now, based off all my records, and, and you know the law, if you're missing or you're able to say, if I have a airport receipt, if I have a bank receipt, if I have a gas receipt, that should be do it. Commissioner, just take a look at him. All my records, 2,509 activity for six months, 2007. And they told me you're guilty. What is going on? Thank you. Think about it. Any questions before we go to public comment? Okay, I'm going to take public comment for one minute. Yes, I have a public comment on Mr. Romani. If you check his record, he talked about his waybills. I just went through the catalog here of his waybills. There is not one waybill over three years that's been billed out properly. doesn't have the cab company on it. doesn't have the license plate on it. doesn't have the total hours on it. doesn't have the total visits on it, total fares on it, nothing. And the way he's laughing at you right now is the way he laughed at the waybills by signing them in X's sometimes, just leaving them blank non-stop over and over and over again because he knew the taxi commission if they ever popped up they wouldn't do anything anyway and this is the history of the gentleman you're dealing with it goes all the way back to 1992 he claims his problems come from Afghanistan they don't he didn't start changing his name on multiple times until 9-11 happened where all the Afghans that came to the United States on various multiple visas started using their names matter of fact I just checked he has five variations of his names based on, his, on the information in this book, not four. Thank you. Next speaker. Thank you. <clears throat> Good evening, Commissioners. Um, this case has nothing to do with anyone's ethnicity or who they are. I don't even know the gentleman. Uh, this has to do with blatant, um, blatant disregard for rules for for dignity of, of others. Um, in the first complaint, there was a, a police officer, Lily Ng, I think her name is. She writes that 
she was even sexually harassed. So this is a constant, constant uh, set of behavior that needs to be corrected. I don't know this individual. I'm not trying to hurt this individual personally, but for public safety points of view, this is starting to become a, a, a trend that's that's growing. And I don't even care what's in the third thing because I think the first two things were, were enough. So I'm hopefully that, um, that what we've been able to see so far tonight is, uh, is enough to take care of this, this issue. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening again, Mark Ruberg. And uh, I, I have no comment on the merits of this. There are some very serious uh, allegations and accusations, and uh, those uh, need to be aired and, and decided upon. I am troubled by the fact that uh, Mr. Rahimi has uh, requested uh, an attorney uh, or time to get an attorney, and uh, apparently that request has been ignored. And I, I know he asked for a year at first, and then he said six months, and maybe those time frames are unreasonable, but it's not unreasonable for somebody who comes before you uh, to ask to have legal assistance. And I think that that request should have been honored. Uh, I, I think the best way to proceed in this would be to continue this matter uh, there is another complaint coming forward anyway. It may as well all be heard together because, um, you know, in the event that uh, there is not uh, a final resolution of this in, in terms of revocation, you're going to have to hear it again anyway. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else wants to speak? Good evening, Commissioners. Tarek Mahmoud. I'm a little bit puzzled with this all the inquiry. He's holding this document. When you look into this 2007, his log into the airport, this confirms more than the shift he needs. It's way, way more than the shifts he needs. I'm not an airport person to play most of the time. And I went there like once after five, six, seven days, three days after. And many times I came across him. It surprises me. Was he really only working 120 shifts in a year? But this paper showing only even 20 shifts in December, another 20 in November, another 20 in October. So uh, somebody didn't look that his, he that the airport, yes, he didn't fill up the way bill. 90% this complaint is about all the driver, not he is the one. So let's go this way, see if he did go Thank you. do the job or not. <clears throat> Anyone else? Anyone else wants to speak under public comment? Okay, public comment is closed. Commissioners, any thoughts or any motions or discussions on this? Just to be fair to you, I'm going to allow you one minute. Commissioner, since 1982, not 92, I'm driving a cab, 1982. 27 years or 26 years, I did not have no single complaints. When I come last time on, on January 8, 2008, to your office, I said I did not have no complaints. And I'm under probations. How come all this complaint coming from, and none of them get proved by any hearing officers? Thank now you. we can see what's going on. Thank you. Okay. Anyone want to start on this? Just procedurally. Um, I'll say it again on this case, is that we're not 
hearing the merits of the case or hearing the whole all of it what we are doing is going to take a vote on whether to uphold the hearing officers decision or not so it isn't that we heard all the facts and have all these things thrown in front of us it's only to uphold or deny the hearing officers decision on that as far as the decision I'd like to hear some from the other commissioners well I'll start in and I'll start in by saying that I support the hearing officers decision I'm going to vote in favor of revocation and I think the reason for that is that there is an extremely strong presumption favoring revocation based on our own rules and based on what has been determined by the hearing officer that agreed is non-compliance the driving requirement 2003 2005 2006 the hearing officer already found that there are five full-time driving requirement violations for 2001 3 5 6 and 7 that mr. Rahimi made false statements in violation of MPC section 1110 mr. Rahimi fabricated and falsifies way bills for the calendar years 2005 6 and 7 and that mr. Rahimi committed perjury at the administrative hearing of April 6 2007 that's a kind of a long list of reasons why I'm going to vote to support this decision and hopefully this medallion will go to another cab driver who will not abuse it and realize what has been given to him by the city and use it as it was intended so that's my feeling anything I'll make a motion well no I I to support the hearing officers and I just want to say that I've observed that I don't know how appropriate it's for me to say this but mr. Rahimi's attitude this evening has been deplorable he has been laughing and smiling and joking as if the whole thing were a big joke and I just think that's really offensive because this is really serious thank you commissioner small mr. pack anything I want him to get a lawyer and if he thinks he can prove it I think he should if he's an honorable man as he thinks he is I think he should get a lawyer and so therefore I will have this recommendation from hearing officer you overturned is that it so that he can get an attorney right or do we do the investigation more than likely people tend to appeal these things and it goes to the Board of Permit Appeals at which point they can avail themselves of what he failed to avail himself of tonight okay legal representation if that's the case I will I will go along with the rest of the commissioners thoughts which uphold the hearing officers recommendation of revoking yeah I'm just feeling very distressed that the revocation comes because of the driving requirement and not because of what I've read from from the prior vote that we took 
However, I will vote to support the hearing officer's direction to revoke it. I feel that it came a little late, but I'll support it now. Okay. Is there a motion? Motion to uphold the hearing officer's recommendation. For the revocation of Medallion 1135 and the current A card. Yes. I second. Motion and a second. Let's take a roll call vote. Let me put you on the spot here. This is for item number 10, upholding the hearing officer's recommendation to revoke. I'm sorry, number 9. Taxi Commission v. Rahimi 1, to revoke his P16 Medallion 1135 and A card. Held by Saeed Bashir Rahimi, a.k.a. Bashir Rahimi. President Gillespie. Yes. Vice President Breslin. Yes. Commissioner Neto. Yes. Commissioner Pack. Yes. Commissioner Saval. Yes. That is a 5-0 vote. Thank you. So normally at the end of the hearing we put another public comment, but we didn't. So we're really in a hurry to get the agenda out, so we made a bunch of mistakes. We're waiting for that controller's report. I thought we were only doing one public dedicated. We're not doing it anymore at the end? No. We do the special order. The special order is public comment. We always do. If you have a special order and you don't fill up the half hour, there's no requirement to have an additional. Great. Okay. Okay. Okay, then the last item on the agenda is adjournment. Meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Great. Good job. SFGTV, San Francisco Government Television.